Welcome to Superhouse. We are the Batman podcast you deserve and the one that you need. Exactly, right over here. I am the man who knows too much about Batman. I am Ben Juan, and I'm here with... Andrew, the guy that lives in a world of Indeed. What's going on, everybody? I'm ready to fucking get the Ben tutelage once <laughs> again. And once again, we are going over Christopher Nolan's trilogy of the Dark Knight versus the comics that they're based off of. So, Batman Begins. What are we doing again? Yeah, I forgot. <laughs> I'm just like, I forgot this episode. Oops. <laughs> Uh, okay. Yes, we're talking about uh, Superman today. Now, uh, Batman, we're going over... This is the next installment. We did Batman Begins versus the comics and pitted them against each other. It was a very close, but only one of them won out. Which one was it? You'll have to watch it yourself to find out. But this is the next installment, and it could be anybody's game at this point. We are very early on, and not only will we be competing the, each movie against the comics, but we'll be competing the overall trilogy in the end. By the way, how this is going to work, because sorry, Wolfie's not here today... He's yeah. uh, camping or some shit. Who the fuck knows anymore? Um, but, uh, Got taken out by the Joker. <laughs> yeah, he's taken out by the Joker and I and uh, and Mr. Freeze. But uh, so if we draw, does that mean just zero points? I'd say point five points. Point five. Point, okay. Each one. Each okay. think it's point five because we both say you know it's, okay. it's good. Okay. Uh, so I, I think it, it each one earns point okay. five of a point, but not a full point because we didn't wholeheartedly agree. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Got it. All right, that's how it works, everybody. Now I, right. I'm I'm in the clear now too. So <laughs> all right, so uh, maybe we can you can be the scorekeeper on oh, man. Uh, this okay. one. So I got uh, it in my heart. <laughs> okay. My, my my phone's somewhere. I don't know. Here we go. Or maybe we we'll... just started, so it's gonna be okay. <laughs> so uh, before we begin, I just wanted to have a shout out to a lot of our uh, social media followers who have been supporting us for a while. Uh, Simone, aka World of Mirror, who we did an interview with. Thank you very much. Also, uh, Heroic Gateway, best Batman facts, and uh, one of the greatest Batman fan artists out there, Shatterverse Ent, aka John Regan. Thank you very much. Uh, my manager at Believe Land Management. Thank you very much. Just uh, representation. My representation, yes. <laughs> this is called being legit, everybody. <laughs> we try. And then uh, for a lot of you guys who have been with us for a while on Instagram, uh, Paul Gabriel, Batman.mg, underscore blogger, uh, Stephen Walden, Alter Bra P04 Gaming, Jose GTZ, underscore zero zero, and Mitch 11 Soul. Thank you all very much for this, and hopefully you enjoy this episode. I'd also like to thank BigButt69 <laughs> on Instagram for all those DMs. Oh, that's what those are for. <laughs> Don't worry about that, Ben. Okay, I'll ignore them next time. Uh, so just like before with Batman Begins, I cited what the comics, uh, the influence actually were before we went into it. Yeah. So yeah. just like with Batman Begins, there was a lot of different comic research that went into this movie right beforehand, especially because we had a few new characters. So uh, obviously one of them was Mr. J himself, the Joker, and that was probably the most anticipated part of this movie was yeah. was the Joker himself. And I don't think teed up with that card at the end. Yes, then, right? yeah. exactly. It's been teed yeah. up. Everyone knew he was going to be in the next one. Right. Uh, so what comics did they draw off of? Unsurprisingly, Alan Moore and Brian Boland's The Killing Joke was one of them. Long Halloween, because every Long single Halloween body, <laughs> every single person copy, not copies, but uh, it takes an influence from that. Yes, yes. So uh, Chris Nolan said for Killing Joke specifically, he says, I definitely feel the influence of the Killing Joke, not so much in the specifics as in constructing some sense of purpose for an inherently purposeless character. That is to say, the Joker is an anarchist. He's dedicated to chaos. He should really have no purpose, but I think the underlying belief that Alan Moore got across very clearly is that on some level, the Joker wants to pull everybody down to his level and show that he 
he's not an unusual monster and that everyone else can be debased and corrupted like he is. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's conveyed in both stories. Make you break your one rule. Yes. He's always trying. He's he's like the <laughs> devil for Batman. He's tempting. Yeah, tempting yeah. him to yeah. Yeah. So I thought that yeah. was that was definitely conveyed. Yeah. Uh, as you said, the long Halloween. So David Goyer said, um, "quote For me, there are three major comic book influences within the Batman lore. There's Year One. Uh, there's the Neil Adams stuff." which he's referring to the 1970s run that Neil Adams did with Dennis O'Neill, which included a story called The Joker's Five-Way Revenge that may have also been influential on the movie because it came up with the idea of how insane the Joker could be. Uh, And then lastly was The Long Halloween. He says, by the time The Dark Knight comes out, it will become apparent that Long Halloween is the preeminent influence on both movies. There's even like just throwaway lines like, I believe in Harvey Dent. Yeah. You know, that's in there, which Mm -hmm. is really effective you know yeah in the movie yeah, and in the exactly, comic exactly so, so they clearly yeah. read it nolan himself said that the long halloween has a great triangular relationship between harvey dent and gordon and batman and that's something that we very much drew from and i think it's pretty evident in the movie right that that's where uh, that came from right uh heath ledger himself did a ton of research into the joker specifically <laughs> not just reading the killing joke <laughs> he was in a fucking motel yes <laughs> making himself go fucking crazy he said yeah he literally says quote i sat around in a hotel room in london for about a month <laughs> locked myself away formed a little diary and experimented with voices it was important to try to find a somewhat iconic voice and laugh i ended up landing more in the realm of a psychopath someone with very little to no conscious conscience towards his acts you ever heard the tom waits interview in the 70s in uh yeah, yeah i've seen that you've seen yeah, that it's, it's, it's pretty possible. fucking close man <laughs> yeah so he sounded the, like this. I have a growing level of popularity uh, throughout the uh, intercontinental United States, uh, <laughs> Japan, and uh, I travel extensively in Europe as well. Mm. Uh, you know, I don't do half bad. I, uh, they tell me you have a new market now in Ireland. Is that true? Yeah. I've performed in Dublin and done very well there as well. You look uh, like a leprechaun. You should do well there. Well, I, uh, I'm also big in Philadelphia. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> I feel like I'm at my grandmother's. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now we're back. Put them in. All right. <laughs> so uh, one of the other ones was Grant Morrison's work with the Joker. Okay, uh, yeah. First one being Arkham Asylum, a serious house on serious earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, but an even a dream that is in canon. That's what fucking Matt Morrison said. Really? It is a dream that is in Grant canon. Morrison? Grant Morrison. <laughs> okay. Grant Morrison. Uh, that's yeah. That's an interesting take on it. It's certainly yeah. drawn that way by Dave McKean. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But a more obscure one that was influential was a story in Batman six sixty three called the Clown at Midnight, uh, okay. and. Grant Morrison himself brought up uh, how he looked at Heath Ledger's Joker diary okay. after he died. And he said, quote, he actually had a whole list. Um, this is the list that Joker makes of things that make him laugh. The list include blind babies, doctors, accidents, really horrible stuff. Heath wrote it all down. So, yeah, I can see there's a lot of Argoman and Midnight in his Joker uh, because of the fact that so much of those things drew off of Joker's list in uh, the Clown at Midnight story. Okay, and I have other, not read that one. Yeah, that sounds good. It's it's. Uh, I'll go into it later, but there there's definitely some bits in it that are directly uh, influenced or directly referenced in the movie. Okay, so okay, we'll get into that one. Get into it, but that, what about Batman six six six? Did he did, <laughs> did he like that one or what? <laughs> the uh, the Damien one. 
Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah Batman Triple Six. <laughs> Man, they should have had Joker because Joker is is his devil. True, but I, they, he had this whole thing of Damien and the devil, and that's what he wanted to go with that one. So Damien's a kid in what the Omen too, who yeah. is the son of the devil or whatever, yes. or is Satan himself. <laughs> yes. So I, I, I get it. Mm-hmm. It makes you know it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> but that those are uh, the number of influences, and there was one more, which is the Golden Age Joker stories. So okay, uh, so Ledger was doing serious homework. This is Ledger, or doing this is this? Nolan actually. Nolan doing the. Okay, uh, yeah. However, he yeah. did say this was a little bit afterwards. Uh, after they had written it out, they they looked at the comics again and they said, uh, "Wow, this is really close." So he said, "Quote: If you look at the first two appearances of the Joker ever in the com- Batman comics, we were quite startled to look back at those and realize how close that character is to what Heath's done and what our story is. I think it's very close to the original incarnation of the character some sixty five years ago." 65 years ago at the time now 80 years ago now (laughs) since 2008 (laughs) yes yeah yeah damn man it's joker's 80th anniversary this year because he was created in 1940 oh my god also how old are we now now that it was anyway 2020 the time of this recording (laughs) yes so if you're watching youtube in 2050 I don't know what you're doing here. Uh, YouTube's going to be gone at that point, <laughs> yeah. and we might be dead. Yeah. Uh, the Joker co-creator Jerry Robinson also served as a consultant on this movie. He did. Yes. Okay. Uh, so that's that's another factor that that brought into it. Bob Kane uh, was a consultant on <laughs> he consulted on the casting Batman 1989 <laughs> and uh, and Batman Returns, and uh, that tradition now has been followed with Jerry Robinson on the Dark Knight. And I don't think that tradition can continue because Jerry Robinson, unfortunately, is not with us anymore. And neither is Bill he Finger. He was probably like 200. How old was he? I don't know. He was old as hell, man. He created <laughs> he, the Joker was, as a grown was, man in 1939. He was a teenager, actually. Oh, he was a teenager? He was a teenager. Oh, okay. that's, oh, how yeah. He, yeah, that's how he was still alive. Oh, okay. Makes a little bit more sense <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, it does. Yeah. But yeah, those were definitely the influences. So to tie into this Golden Age influence on The Dark Knight, I do want to go into where does the title The Dark Knight come from? The comics, of course, of bro. Of course, yes, yes, but easy, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. <laughs> but any more brain busters teach? <laughs> specifically, uh, I know we covered in our Shadow versus Batman is Batman a ripoff of the Shadow episode. Uh, the Shadow used to be called the Night of Darkness. Oh <laughs> my God! Again, <laughs> but Elijah, uh, that one's for you, man. <laughs> um, Bill Finger did call Batman the Dark Knight in Batman number one. During the first Joker story, okay, he said, oh, "Batman number one, not Detective Comics twenty-seven. No, 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 no. It was it was yeah. a little bit later. Yeah, in the second year of Batman's Batman Comics. Okay, in one of the most seminal issues because not only was it Batman number one, but it was also the first appearance of Joker and Catwoman, mm-hmm. as well as Hugo Strange making the Monster Men, which is what he's most known for now. Oh my God! So it's it's the one of the most important issues in, in comic history. Jesus. But it's also one of the ones that most people don't realize is where he was called the Dark Knight for the first time. So Joker punched Batman off a bridge and Batman fell into the water and it says, quote, the shock of cold water quickly revives the Dark Knight. And that's... So Batman number one, there it is. Yeah, Bill Finger just slipped that in and it's been Stole the... Stole it the, the, easily the, from the, the shadow. shadow. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I don't have enough room for Night of Darkness in here. <laughs> I know a way to abbreviate this. So that's how it started. Nolan, you're welcome. He can tell the future as well. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Who's Nolan? Says Bob Kane. Don't like, worry about Don't it. Don't worry about it. Yes. So, rich guy. Not born yet. <laughs> the uh, opening sequence. Yeah. Then 
did you see this opening sequence with I Am Legend like I did, or did you see it with the movie? Uh, I saw it with I Am Legend. Yeah, yeah. I did. Okay, yeah. yeah oh, so. wait. You know what? No, I'm getting that confused with uh, Dark, Dark Knight Rises. Rises with because Mission Possible, yeah. If you're new to this podcast, I'll let you know. I lived in Japan from 06 to 09 teaching English. This movie came out in 2008, right when I was living in Japan. Mm-hmm. So I think the I Am Legend thing passed me by. Gotcha. I don't think okay. they did that all that shit. Yeah, no, no. It was a specifically, if for those who weren't around at the time, uh, they do. no one likes to do this thing where he puts a prologue or a little preview, a little snippet of his opening sequence. Uh, he pre-releases it and attaches it to a Warner Brothers holiday uh, movie uh, the yeah. year before. Mission so Impossible, Mission whatever. Mission Protocol, yeah. yeah. And then now, it was, but at that point, it was I Am Legend. And yes. so a lot of people were going to see I Am Legend just for this opening. And it was purely just <laughs> yes. the bank robbery scene. It was almost the same. It wasn't quite the same level of hype, but it was almost like in 80, 89 or 88, really, where they released that first trailer. Yeah. And people went to the movies bought tickets just to see that trailer and then walked out <laughs> so many people probably went got to see my money's worth i am legend in imax probably just purely to see this i remember thinking uh, we haven't done i guess we're doing like uh, personal thoughts later, a little bit yeah. but like could, uh yeah. I, I remember thinking i was like everybody else i was just regular joe bro yeah. like heath ledger that guy <laughs> he can't be the joker he's an idiot <laughs> <laughs> And then, and then you know you know what happened, you know what happened. Yeah, you can't say that these days, really. Yeah, <laughs> nobody people will jump down your throat. It was but, just it yeah. was just like the ten things I had about you guy. It was Mr. Mom all nice over tale. again. Yeah, I, yeah, I didn't I live did. through Mr. Mom. I was four. I you know I, what I mean. I wasn't yeah, reading yeah, no. a Starlog magazine in uh, in eighty nine, <laughs> so I didn't know anything. Yeah, I yeah. It was a surprise to everybody because he was not on anybody's lists. So yeah, I, yeah. I. Th- totally thought at the time one of the big rumored names that i thought was totally gonna get it was paul bettany oh uh, paul bettany was paul up bettany for was up wow. for it. well he it turned out that i don't think they actually talked to him about it but he was yeah. heavily rumored and he had just been in da vinci code he had been so much he so much stuff been bad and he was bad. he seemed like the type of actor you would cast that no mm-hmm. one would cast yeah 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 into this and he yeah. had like the look and everything and he had the background of playing a psychopath and gangster number one so yeah like, it's that's that's who I thought it was going to be. And then Heath Ledger was announced when I was overseas and at the time had no access to internet until I got back home and I saw everybody was freaking out about it. Paul and, Bettany and Heath Ledger, a night's tale. A night's tale. Exactly. Yeah. So connection. Interesting. Everybody, you're welcome. <laughs> yes. So, uh, but one name, there was one actor who Nolan talked to about it before he went to Heath Ledger. And that was Adrian Brody. Okay, yeah, I can. Yeah, he's got a face. He's got, he's a, got the face. He's yeah. got a face. Yes. <laughs> Although he should be the shadow, but yeah, he would be a great shadow too. Yeah, yeah. got the I, note, the schnozola for it. Yeah, he said, "Quote, I did." And I can I, say that. Yeah. All right. Uh, he, when he was asked about it, Adrian Brody said, "I did. I met Chris on that. Heath was tremendous in that. But yeah, I would have loved to have done that. It was an amazing role. Um, you know, obviously." him being a very good sport about it because what the hell else can you say about the fact that right. he almost got right. the role that someone else has arguably became one of the most iconic versions of that. So He went on to do Predators. <laughs> he went on to do Predators. <laughs> I think that Brody could have, like, he might not have been this Joker, but he could have been a great Joker in his own way. Yeah, part. he could have been great. Uh, and could have been great. It'd be awesome to see him in a comic book role. I think he's underrated, personally. But he, Where uh, has he been? He was big he's for a while. He's been in Wes Anderson movies, I guess. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, but, yeah, I don't know, it's man. It's not the same. Yeah. Um, 
But Heath Ledger did, as we covered in our Batman Begins deep dive, Heath Ledger had been had talked to Chris Nolan about the possibility of playing Batman in Batman Begins, and he turned it down because he's like, "There's no way I'm going to be in a superhero movie." Oh yeah. And then he saw Batman Begins, and Nolan went to him and was like, "How about now?" And Nolan, and- Two, I thought about this. <laughs> I didn't, we talked this before. I didn't think about it, yeah. but. And 2008, I mean, Iron Man come out the same year, so he hadn't seen Iron Man either, more yeah. than likely. He might have never seen Iron Man, honestly. He might not have. You know, no, he didn't. The timing of he his death. He died in January. Yeah, he died yeah. in January, and Iron Man came out in May. Yeah, unless he saw some crazy cut, like, before effects I, I or some shit. It. It's not yeah. like he would have been interested so, in that, yeah. So, like, the Marvel tone hadn't been figured out, and, like, think about it. Like, most superhero movies were complete shit. I mean, other than Batman 89 and, you know... Batman Returns and what yeah. seventy eight Superman and, and the second one <laughs> what was the second one eighty one or some shit. Anyway, there yeah, weren't that many because if you were like a younger millennial, the nineties had some fucking terrible <laughs> superhero shit. I mean, they still had done the X Men and the Spider Man movies, so it wasn't like it was yeah. complete crap. That's true. Actually, I forgot about that. But yeah, the overall but quality was not great. It wasn't though. considered like this. Like a lot of people credit Dark Knight for being, they called it the Godfather of the superhero movies because of the fact yeah. that, like, if you weren't a Batman fan beforehand, you became a Batman fan because yes. of the Dark Knight. Yes, that's what this movie did. And suddenly, Batman, even though Batman Begins had done its part in terms of rebooting the franchise, it was really the Dark Knight. I think that got people to be like, okay, like, Batman is associated with quality movies now. I, I mean. Yeah, like people like my dad that grew up with Adam West, <laughs> yeah. they would say he was like, oh, this is like a real movie. <laughs> 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 yes, this is very real, very pretty, mm-hmm. as real as you can get with everything, right, all right. the comic book shit going on. Yeah. Exactly, and that's yeah. reflected in that opening sequence, so uh, yeah. let's get to uh, let's get to the actual uh, uh, We're back things. to our yeah. uh, scheduled program. <laughs> this is what this actual program is about. Okay, so... Uh, most of the Joker henchman sporting clown mask is pretty obvious that it would become part of it, but it's also been in the comics a lot, including the clown at midnight. I uh, killed the, the limo Grant, driver the Grant, or whatever. I the bus the, driver. I killed the bus driver. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the clown at midnight by Grant Morrison, as well as uh, the man who laughs, which is by Ed Brubaker and illustrated by Doug. I want to say Menke. I've, I've never heard his name pronounced out loud, so I'm taking a crack at that. It's a monkey. Okay. Nope. I don't <laughs> so know. So that was that was a retelling of Batman number one, a modern retelling of Batman number one, the first appearance of uh, the Joker. But in both of those, the henchmen wear uh, clown masks, or at least makeup that looks similar to what's in the movie. Um, they also feature the deaths of a lot of the henchmen, because everybody who's part of this heist, except for the one obvious person, is dead at the end of the sequence. Right. Uh, and they kill each other. And that's been a tradition that dates back as far as the Joker's five-year revenge, which was this right. 1970s story that rebooted the Joker, and it was the kind of the first time that it sort of uh, hypothesized that Joker's actually insane and that his M.O. is not something that can be predicted. And we're not just having funsies with uh, large, uh, what is it, keyboards or whatever the fuck. Yeah, yeah, you know like I mean? in, in the 1940s version, Joker, sure, he had this image, but his M.O. was pretty generic. He stole diamonds. Like, he oh, wanted yeah. money and everything. It was pretty clear, like, he was just a common criminal. He just happened to have a gimmick. And then right. when they lightened him up, him up, it was like he was a prankster. Um, and that was pretty much, like, there was no idea of him being insane until 
uh, Dennis O'Neill and Neil Adams came up with the idea of Joker's is a homicidal maniac, and a homicidal maniac you cannot predict. This was like in the seventies. In the seventies, with the Joker's five favorite revenge. There might have been like a true crime boom going on then as well. This is when the word serial killer came That's out. When Dirty Harry came out. Like, yeah, seventies were like the nineties, but worse. Yeah. Like lots, lots of dark mm-hmm. darkness going on, and uh, yeah, I, I mean the the whole serial killer thing, like Ted Bundy and all that, like mm-hmm. people reading those books, I. There's no way that stuff didn't seep into Batman, you know, crime noir, <laughs> pulp comic kind of thing. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. So they even have names, you know, like the fucking Zodiac Killer or whatever. Like yeah, just yeah. like the Joker. The like Joker, it makes yeah. perfect sense. Exactly. So yeah, uh, the Joker's five year revenge is about Joker killing off his henchmen one by one because he knows that at least one of them ratted him out. So he's just like, well, I don't know which one it is, so I'm just gonna kill all of them. And that's, oh, that man. was the story. Um, oh, so shit. that was what it was. The obviously, if you've seen this movie, and if you haven't, then God, what the fuck are you doing watching this? Uh, but you know that one of the henchmen is actually the Joker himself. And the mask that he wears has the blue eyebrows, red around the eyes, a red nose, and blue frowning lips. And a lot of people have noted this before, but I'm going to bring it up here. That is the same type of mask that Cesar Romero wore in, in his, his first... opening, right? In his opening... Debut? Yeah, yeah, his debut as the Joker in the episode The Joker's Wild, season one, episode five. That was badass. Yeah. I love that. I, I saw that meme like a few years after, but yeah, it was yeah, great. Really yeah. good stuff. Plus the, the juxtaposition of the frown... And when he takes it off, he's right. got the smile. Right, right, right. So uh, that's there. But that does bring me to another point. Um, when we first see Joker, he's standing on the street just in broad daylight. And then the car yeah. comes by and he puts yeah. on the mask and he goes inside. And then the next time we see the only other time we see him um, is when he's got the mask on. When he takes it off, he's got the green hair and everything. And I'm like... Right when did he have time to change like when did he like our makeup or anything or was he just out in broad daylight as the clown and nobody said anything when the fan pulled up they didn't notice that this guy looks kind of weird like it's kind of maybe weird they already me. know he wore that paint and stuff i don't know i actually haven't thought about that it, it was weird to me it was something i thought about when i first saw it in i am legend because i'm just yeah. like i know i i okay full disclosure i before i saw the the prologue in i am legend i had the entire sequence almost spoiled for me i forgot how but somebody just had reading shit online i was i was reading stuff and yeah. i was and i was like that sounds interesting and then i watched it and i'm like okay so i know that's a joker blah 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 but then i'm just like wait why is he out on the like if he's on the street then i'm just like okay so i'm guessing at some point he like he does the the he changes and transforms and then he takes off the mask and he's already there i'm like how does that work and then nobody was able to answer that for me <laughs> so it's gonna be magic man don't worry about it <laughs> but that does bring us into the joker's appearance which will be the first thing that we sort of uh have our little uh round in terms of movies versus comics because obviously the joker looks very different than the traditional joker that you see here uh, yeah. So as you can see, most of the time the Joker either has neat, uh, slicked back hair or uh, curly hair. He has a permanent white skin complexion due to his dip in the chemicals. Um, his that was not is, not in Dark Knight though, right? That was not in Dark yeah, Knight. But he's I'm just, just a yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. just describing the the, yeah. the general Joker look. Yeah. And then um, you know the red lips, and he's smi- And most of the time he is smiling, but usually it's not a permanent one. Uh, and then he's in, you know, he's all dressed up to the nines in a purple suit. Uh, this Joker is very different. So he most notably is the scarred smile. 
Um, now, this is not the first time that we've seen a Joker with a scarred smile. The first time was actually in an Elseworlds called Batman Gotham Noir by, once again, Ed Brubaker and drawn by Sean Phillips. And what's interesting... Brubaker's known for being a little, little bit on the dark side, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's yeah. a character named Jack Napier, who's supposed to be Joker, of course, but his, his lips are sliced. And what's interesting as well is Sean Phillips, and we'll put an image up here, Sean Phillips drew the Joker, and Joker looks like, not Heath Ledger's Joker in the movie, but Heath Ledger. Okay. He actually looks yeah. like Heath Ledger. It's you think you weird. think there's yeah. something too like before this, we were in we had just known really what eighty nine Joker, uh, yeah right. Uh, in terms of live action, live action, yeah, and, just, and Romero, but yeah, and, I mean yes, and Romero, but it's such a different most people take. discount it. <laughs> yeah, such a different take. It's yeah. a it's a good take, but different take. Mm-hmm. And like, they're both like they're both older gentlemen. Yeah, playing it. Well, it was like fifties or something. Yeah, they both. So, there's at least a fifteen to twenty year. There's difference, something yeah. about. Also, we know Heath Ledger at the time, by the way, younger millennials, he was like the, I remember a girl saying he was the hottest guy alive, yeah. imaginable. So uh, <laughs> I remember hearing that it was big. He was big in college. And um, there, there's something really tragic and great about that. Like him, mm-hmm. like this good looking guy, yeah. young guy that mm-hmm. has become so fucked up so 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 fucked up it's also i think the only time at least in live action so far where the joker actor is younger than batman yeah so yeah yeah romero was older than west nicholson older than keaton uh leto's actually older than affleck uh and uh phoenix is definitely older than yeah. whoever they're casting as batman if in that continuity if they're gonna do that. that's true he's way <laughs> so, older yeah he has I mean, to be, something yeah. about having like there's something tragic about how young he is yeah you know yeah, in so. in this movie that's uh that, that that is definitely something that i have thought about too in terms of who was this guy and what made him turn into what it is and it's not really addressed but there is something of like he's barely recognizable even when yeah. even in like the close-ups and stuff and if you know if you look past the scar the scars on this thing you can't recognize him as the same guy at all yeah i mean yes exactly yeah yeah uh Ledger's Joker also bears most famously a resemblance to artist Lee Bermijo's version of the Joker. Now, a lot of people connected to the Brian Azzarello, Azzarello uh, and Lee Bermijo uh, comic Joker. Bermejo? Bear, is it Bermejo? Uh, I, think, I'm, I I'm have assuming, no idea. I'm assuming. I don't know. Well, this artist. Bermejo. <laughs> uh, this artist. Quesadilla. Drew him, <laughs> drew him with a scarred <laughs> smile in that comic. However, yeah. that comic was released after the movie. Okay. But he had previously drawn Joker like that in a panel in Lex Luthor Man of Steel in 2005. Oh, yeah, I've read that one. As well as did, uh, for the site Batman on film, he did this interesting fan art where he did a Joker with a scarred smile for, like, his imagining of what a Nolan Joker would look like. And then he had a similar thing for Two-Face. Yeah. uh, Which also looked kind of similar to the Aaron Eckhart one, except for his idea, it was uh, Denzel Washington. As, okay. as Harvey Dent instead. So obviously the other side had a different look, but the scarred side looked pretty similar. Right. Okay. Uh, All right. And then lastly, the only other one that kind of had a scarred smile was the Joker himself. I mean, obviously the Joker himself, but the Joker in Grant Morrison's uh, comic, The Clown at Midnight. I haven't read that one. So Joker in a previous episode gets shot in the head. He gets shot oh. in the face. And so there's some okay. plastic surgery. And then when he takes it off, I don't know why a bullet... Th- through the head causes this, but he has a scarred smile in uh, <laughs> rictus grim. That, the rictus, uh, yeah, he, well, yeah, yeah he, he he has the uh, the cuts 
over here. Okay. Um, and it well, also he has cuts as well, not just a uh, yeah, yeah. A, a muscle nerve thing. No, it's not a muscle. Cuts. It's not a muscle nerve thing. It's 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 the cuts. Okay. It's the cuts. I gotcha. Again, I okay. don't know how a bullet in the head causes that, but whatever. Uh, but I could see it causing a muscle thing, but well, yeah, because uh, that was in '89. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. But the but yes, exactly. But but yeah, with cuts to the mouth, that's just a creative license yes. going on on that one. So uh, there's also mention that says, "quote Until there is a, only a single Joker voice smacking its lips in the huge echoing emptiness of a place." So the lip smacking of Heath Ledger may or may not have come from the cloud at midnight. It was uh, said in the documentary "I Am Heath Ledger" that. Uh, the prosthetic makeup for the scars would sometimes loosen and crack. So Ledger would do this. Went with it. Ledger wow. went like this in order to keep it there while also making it a character choice at the same time. I had a friend that was in college when we saw this. No, it was after college. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he, he he didn't like that. He thought that was kind of overdone. The the smacking mm-hmm. of the lips, right. like the, like too many nervous ticks, kind of makes it seem to him. It made it seem like it was just just too much unnecessary acting. Like too many, I can see that. Too many uh, super, superfluous choices, but for me, I fucking love it. <laughs> I love that shit. Like I, I, I could go with ticks all day. Right. You know. So yeah. Uh, that's not the only thing that was different. Of course, not just the scarred smile. It's the fact that he, his skin is not actually bleached. He wears makeup. Of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In this, it's very yeah. clear that he wears makeup. Uh, the only other time that we saw that was with Cesar Romero, because, and we only really got that because of the fact that he had white over his mustache. Over the mustache, <laughs> and yes. And obviously that meant that that was makeup as opposed to if it was a chemical bath, he would have a green mustache. Yes. Which, I don't know, maybe they should have just done that instead. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It would have been, uh, well, yeah. Well, you would have had to dye it. Yeah, never mind. That's it would have changed the that whole would've... history. <laughs> Uh, also, Joker wears lipstick, obviously, in order to make this happen. Uh, the only time that we saw that was in The Dark Knight Returns, where he had a certain poison lipstick. I guess kind of taking a page out of Poison Ivy's playbook on that. Otherwise, the suit uh, kind of pretty much looks like the traditional one. It might be a little bit more tattered looking, right? but it's the regular thing. So, uh, first one up, the traditional comic book Joker look or the Heath Ledger Joker. Oh man, Design. this is so tough. If we we can just do this as a draw, if you want, it fits, it fits the movie mm-hmm. so much, and Le- Ledger's Joker's so fucking iconic. Yeah. But there's too much. There's so many um, comic versions of the Joker too. Yeah, but most of them are this, with a suit and stuff. Yeah. Oh man. I could change my answer tomorrow, <laughs> but I'm gonna actually go Ledger. Really? For okay. this one. Yes. All right. We're going to have to uh, call this one a draw. Okay. 0.5 on each side. Can you put 0.5 on your yeah, document? I'll, I'll put Sorry, it on, I'll I'm put not. It on uh, I didn't, I we didn't plan this. this part out, everybody. <laughs> don't tell them that. <laughs> <laughs> we plan everything else out. It seems like we don't know what we're doing. Uh, we know what we're doing, baby. <laughs> um, so, I, when I first saw the image of Heath Ledger's Joker, my immediate reaction was, what the fuck, <laughs> on it. Because. Yeah, I always want to know your reaction. Yeah, my Because. I was not happy. It was also a weird image because it was. It looked like the image from. Have you seen the poster of like Dead Presidents, where it's just like the the white face and everything? Ah, uh, yeah, that was yeah. that was everywhere in the nineties. Yeah, 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 it was that type of thing, and so you didn't see the green hair. It was literally just the raccoon eyes, and it looked like he spilled pasta over his lips. You were like, "This movie's gonna be terrible." I didn't. Think, I w- I wasn't sure if it was gonna be terrible. I'm just like, "What the hell is this type of thing?" Right. I, I felt they went too over the top with right. the darkness and. It took me a while for me to put a finger on, like, why does this bother me? And I think the reason why is that 
and I've said this in a previous episode too about Joker is that I just prefer a Joker who looks uh, a little less obviously scary or a little less obviously scary in um, his look. He should be scary uh, in his mannerisms. I feel or should be down to. That's why he's he's maybe even goofy, kind of goofy. And then when that right. fucking killer comes out, it's like whoa, it makes it more fuck? unpredictable as yeah. opposed to somebody who just you just feel scared of him the whole time. Like there's something unnerving about him while, while watching him. So, right. Um, honestly, I had less of a reaction. This might be controversial. I had less of a reaction to that when I saw Leto, even though I didn't really like the tattoo and the grills either, but it was like, okay, there's a little closer to the idea that I have. But, um, when I saw the Phoenix Joker, sure, it's not the traditional Joker, but I honestly preferred that in terms of like, if you're going to mess around and try to recreate how he looks, I liked that. I liked it was good. a lot yeah. in terms of just because there's nothing about the actual clown makeup that unnerves you. It's all in Phoenix's performance and his eyes and, and yeah. his, his, his own stuff. And I, I kind of wish that Ledger had the same thing. Uh, Phoenix, they went with the super classic look too. You know, it looks like mm-hmm. the, the, the makeup is taken straight from the deck of cards. Yeah. You know, they didn't. Yeah. So even if they weren't classic Batman, they were straight up classic Joker card. Yeah. Yeah. You know what That's I mean? True. So there's something, there was something good about that choice. Yeah. I felt. So I, yeah. I, I was like, look, it, he doesn't necessarily have to look exactly like the comic book character, but I would prefer something that looked a little neater. And I also thought the neatness kind of ties into the fact that he's a very theatrical guy. He's he's upset right. when people upstage him and things like that. And so right. for him to be very sloppy about his appearance and look like he never showered in, in like the last two years. He was in that motel, man. Yeah. Outside of London. I get it, but still. <laughs> so I personally have never been a huge fan of the design of it. That doesn't mean that I don't like the performance. I love the performance. I just feel like he didn't necessarily need to look like that in the movie. So I'm not crazy. Point five. I'm not. Whenever he says that, <laughs> I'm not. It, that was like... That Nolan is so fucking good. If there's one thing Nolan's really good, well, he's good at a lot of things. But one of the things he's really good at is is tension. Yeah. Oh yeah, my yeah. god, the guy, the shot. Like think think about that shot of just Joker on the side of the street, just one fucking guy. Yeah. You don't even see his face. Yeah. It's so fucking tense. And at the time of this recording, Tenant, like the fucking um trailer for that, literally, <laughs> dude, breathing. Like you don't know what's going on either. It's fucking tense <laughs> as shit. <laughs> God damn, he can do tension. <laughs> no, this is this is. Uh, I think that's one of the big things that makes this movie is the tension. Yeah, that's there and the unnerving feeling that you get out of every time that he's on screen. Yes, yes. So that's as I said in the the review on Joker. Like Phoenix played a human being, but Ledger played like a force of nature. He is. Yes, yes. He he doesn't feel human. Uh, in in that yeah. sense, and it's so it's so different that I couldn't really. I, it's hard to compare the two different performances because they're so different. They are really different. Uh, yes, and what they're dealing with. Nolan, I think, was a literature major at Oxford. <laughs> really? Yes. It wasn't even didn't even like go to film school. Literature. All right, everybody. So there you go. So You're get really on welcome. your Audible. Listen to all the classics. <laughs> Yes. Uh, I think that's most evident when Dark Knight Rises, uh, we'll get into that when we do that episode, but The Tale of Two Cities, A Tale of Two Cities. Dark Knight Rises, I remember that, yes. That's, yes. Huge, I read yes. the whole thing before I saw the movie. And because Nolan said it? <laughs> because Nolan said that was an influence, I could see certain connections, so we'll go into that Okay, when we that. yeah. But, oh, yeah. wow. There you go. Uh, but the movie that re- that influenced, uh, the non-Batman type of movie that influenced The Dark Knight was, of course, Michael Mann's Heat. Yeah. Uh, yes. Bank robberies. Oh my god, dude! Yeah. Cops versus robber types of things. Um, Heat featured actor William Fitchner uh, in there. 
playing Van Zant, who betrays De Niro's character, which leads to a great scene where uh, De Niro's like, who, "What am I doing? I'm talking to an empty telephone." Because there's a dead man on the other end of right. this fucking line. Right, right, like, right. Yes. Right. <laughs> but right. I almost as a tribute to that, William Fitchner was cast as the blank bank manager in the opening of this. And he's trying to kind of like be a hero too or something like, we're different from you. What's his line again? Well, he was talking about, you know, the he's part of the mob because it's a mob bank. So oh, yeah. he's, he's like, you know, criminals in this town used to stand for something. Oh, yeah, what yeah, do you yeah, believe yeah, yeah. in? Yeah, yeah. Um, I was just trying to set up yeah. uh, the Joker's uh, he's different MO, from the which mob. is no MO. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Fitchner was not the original choice for this, though. Um, Dwight Yoakam was uh, uh, considered for yeah, a, okay, uh, a lot yeah. of different roles. He said, quote, there was a never-do-well never cop who's one of Gary Oldman's guys, so he was either up for Wurtz, the corrupt cop who Two-Face kills, mm-hmm. or Stevens, who okay. was the guy who tries to beat up Joker in the interrogation room. Okay, uh, It wasn't clear which one. Uh, he said, I couldn't really focus enough to deal with that. Um in terms of more than one scene. So then they came back to me and said, we know you don't have time to do that one, but can you do this one instead? And it was a banker who had dealings with the Joker, and I wanted so badly to go do that banker and mess around with Heath Ledger, but I just couldn't do it. So huh. scheduling-wise, it didn't work out, unfortunately. Yeah, I could see him. He actually has... Doesn't he have like similar like thin face as Finchner? Probably, yeah. So maybe yeah. that was the... That was uh, the idea, but it was a cool sequence to flip the usual bank robbery on its head and being like, "Here's here's a bank manager with a shotgun." Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, bank because it's Gotham. Every fucking everybody's corrupt. It's yeah, fucking yeah. Uh, city's turning in on itself. Exactly. Yeah. So that's uh, the heat influence is definitely felt there. So bank manager. One of the things I love, the best part about the sequence, in my opinion, was when he puts the grenade in the guy's mouth. And yeah. it just turns out to be gas, and he doesn't yeah. he doesn't blow his head off yeah. or anything. Because um, it's not about violence; it's about fucking with people. Yeah, but yeah. sometimes that involves violence. Then sometimes, but yeah, yeah. You, you don't know when. It's almost like for Joker, if you predict he's going to kill you and then he kills you, it's not funny. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If he's yeah. unpredictable about it, that's why it's funny. You no, know, it's yeah. every single time somebody gets killed in the at least in the bank robbery sequence. Yeah, it's when they least expect it. Right. And then when the bank manager totally thinks his head's going to get blown off, he doesn't get killed. Right. So. Right. Uh, so then. After Joker kills the bus driver, he drives the school bus out, which always kind of threw me because I was just like, here's the school bus lining up with a whole bunch of school buses and just driving out of this bank and nobody says anything about it. You know, <laughs> I would assume that he joins that line and you know, Unless, and then and then he dumps it somewhere right after, but it's just too much yeah. screen time given to that uh, given to that uh, I know. part of it, just, you know? I'm like, this is kind of weird. There's a huge hole in the middle of the fucking bank, but whatever. And they know it was that bus. Obviously, it's just weird. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, it won't be the first time that Joker deals with school buses in this in this movie, as we see later on yeah. in the hospital. Yeah. But, uh, anyways, we go to a sequence afterwards that uh, one of the things I loved about it was the whole like the bat signal has that effect on criminals. This is the one. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that was good. That Wolfie referred to in our begins up where you the criminals, you know, the guy gets scared out of a drug deal because right. he sees the bat signal up ahead. Uh, and then we go to a garage where Scarecrow, lo and behold, is a drug dealer. And this is where, as I said in the begins up, I'm just like it was a little disappointing that Scarecrow costume is no longer. The straight jacket. He's just back to the regular, like he's back to just a regular, like business suit. And I'm just like, you don't work at Arkham anymore. You don't need to do this, right? But whatever. Uh, the Chechen is the uh, the Chechen, the Chechen uh, mob boss in this, and he's I think one of the few uh, 
mobster characters who are were created for the Nolan series. Okay. So you got to um, add a little bit of spice. Yeah. So to he, your mix. they wanted to have more than one mob boss because I guess they didn't want to just have Maroni. So the yeah. Trishan's there, but uh, we also get to see the gang of copycats uh, of Batman, right? All oh, dressed yeah. in Batman cosplay, I'm not wearing hockey, hockey pads. pads. Yes. Yeah. Um, there are a bunch of Batman imitators in the comics, but it seems like the most uh, likely influence of this was the Dark Knight Returns, where after the mutant gang sees Batman beat the shit out of their leader, yeah, uh, they all start painting their faces instead of the with the mutant stuff. They paint their faces with the bat symbol and claim <laughs> to be like one of him. And they use guns and stuff. And He's it's not, not it's not until Batman arrives to basically tell them like no guns and you know this is the weapon of the enemy that right. uh, that they end up falling in line. Uh, no background is given to these uh, copycats, so we don't really know. Uh, it's kind of a throwaway plot line. It, it really is. I'm not really yeah. sure if it was that needed in it either, but it's it's an interesting idea. It's, it's just yeah. definitely a movie full of ideas. I'm just yeah. There's some stuff where I'm just like, I'm not sure if you needed it, but it's kind of cool. It's there. Yeah. Uh, this is also not the first attempt to bring Batman copycats into the Batman movies. If you guys checked out our Batman Returns deep dive into the previous scripts, the original Batman Two script by Sam Hamm had a gang called the Red Berets, who were also. Uh, inspired by Batman to fight crime uh, in there. So that was a, a previous attempt. Batman, of course, stops the Scarecrow uh, as well as ties up the imitators, says he's not wearing hockey pads, and then he goes <laughs> off to the bank. Famous line to, talk to yeah, yeah, to go talk to Gordon, uh, and they talk about how they're going to trace the mob money through irradiated bills. Okay. And that's actually a plot point from the serial from 1949, Batman and Robin. Oh, shit. Where Batman and Gordon use irradiated bills to trace uh, ransom money oh shit okay so well, we'll cover that when we get to that so they also cover <clears throat> rico case or whatever the fuck i don't think that, i don't know if that uh, existed at the time there's when no I, mobsters when i mentioned series. rico i was like this is some true crime <laughs> shit going on now the uh yeah in the in the serials that i don't think the rico thing was around probably didn't exist yeah I'm, I'm, so. I'm joking i'm sure it did not exist at that time <laughs> there was um what i do like this little character moment where Gordon brings up the Joker, and yeah. he's like, you know, should we be concerned about Joker? And Batman's like, one man or the mob? Like, he does not see Joker as a threat whatsoever yeah. in the opening, yeah. and I do yeah. like that. Uh, it's very similar to um, Dennis O'Neill himself, the guy who reimagined the Joker. Um, Scarecrow's out of this, so we might as well replace him. Uh, <laughs> the guy who reimagined the Joker, uh, Dennis O'Neill, did his own version of Batman's first meeting uh, okay. with the Joker in Legends of the Dark Knight number 50, and in that one, uh, the Joker gathers a whole bunch of criminals to sort of do his bidding. Batman crashes it because he was tracking those criminals, and he looks at Joker, and he's like, who are you? And Joker's like, I'm a clown that they took for ransom to try to entertain them. Please let me go. Okay. And Batman's like, all right, go ahead. Yeah, well, and what, do, the, what can you do? And then the criminals are like, that was the Joker, man. <laughs> and Batman's like, I don't know who that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. I love that idea of like, he doesn't know who, he doesn't, there has to, and, he has and no care. He doesn't care right now. There has to be a beginning. Yeah, yeah. At some point. Yeah. In, in your, when you're weaving a tale. Right now, he's just like, I'm focused on the mob. Right. Some guy in a clown's, okay, whatever. Until he actually sees what that guy can do. Right. So, uh, that's what's cool. Um, the next bit was something I totally predicted before the movie, which was that with Wayne Manor burned down, the Bat Cave has been relocated. Yeah. So, uh, as we see, it is kind of in the heart of the city. It's not necessarily right under the Wayne Tower, but in the comics, it was a... Uh, he did move 
into Wayne Tower at one point in Batman. Like Wayne Enterprises or whatever? Yeah, in yeah. the Wayne Foundation in, in yeah. a story called One Bullet Too Many in Batman 217. Uh, Dick Grayson had just left for college from Wayne Manor. And okay. Bruce, I guess, emotionally didn't want to be around so many reminders so much. So okay. he moves into a penthouse in the Wayne Foundation and uh, takes a secret elevator to go underground to okay. uh, go into uh, like his, his own bat cave that's underneath. And makes it a lot easier. It makes way more sense to me for his headquarters to be in the city, so that he doesn't have it to makes, drive. It makes sense, but I it's it's like the uh, it's it's like the Burton Batmobile for me. Yeah, the cave, man. It's just so fucking iconic. It's, it's like, better. I need when I need, it's I need a, a proper cave. cave. Yeah, I need I a proper cave. I agree. And that so, kind of hurt my heart seeing in this. It's. I mean, it was fine. I get it, but it's yeah. just. I don't. Batman needs the Batcave, bro. I I don't mind the idea of a temporary Batcave in it. I just felt it was a little weird that it was. It just basically felt like here's this warehouse with a computer. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and, and, then, and no one feels you never really had a proper Batcave, right? Or no? Yeah, because like the first one, he's just starting out, and then yeah. the second one, it's the Bat Bunker. Is what they call it, and, then, bunker, and then the yeah. third one is kind of close, but it's like clo- it's closest. Yes, it's true. He hasn't used it in years, and then yeah. he uses it for like a couple of days, and then he's out of commission. So yeah, it, it, he didn't really have much of a back cave. And then Jiggles goes spelunking, and then there you go, finds it exactly. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Joseph Gordon-Levitt is I, Jiggles. I I, um, I kind of wish it was looked a little different. Like the Batwoman TV series actually has. Um, the Batcave situated under the Wayne Tower, and it looks. She has her own Batcave. Uh, well, she inherits it from from Bruce. Oh, okay, yeah. So she finds a secret entrance. She goes down, and she finds the Batcave that's located there. Yeah. And it looks way more. And people are going to kill me for saying it's better than Nolan's, but like it it, it is because it looks like an actual Batcave. Maybe yeah. it, maybe well, it's not yeah. a legit cave, but like it's it's dark. There's bats, actual bats in there. Nolan like, didn't like the cave. He, uh, he didn't he stayed it was, away from it as long as he could. unrealistic or something. But yeah. I was like, this is just a fucking garage. Like, I just, if it's not clear enough already, like, as much as I do like the movie, the visual aspect of it, I've never really agreed with in terms of too realistic how he redesigned everything. The only design that I really like in this movie is Two Face because he looks like Two Face. Everything else, I'm just like, eh, okay, that's your take. What about on Nurse it. Joker though? <laughs> I'd love that. <laughs> Grant Morrison was the first, I think, the first to make Joker cross dress too. Yeah, actually, yeah, I was going to get into them for part two, but uh, yes, he he did have Joker cross dress in the original draft of the Arkham Asylum. Comic. Yeah, it was a Madonna. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know the pointy boobs. I think he does. You do see him wear high heels though, if you look closely in the uh, okay in the, in the actual comic. When I mean, if you got a guy constantly putting makeup on. And like something traditionally yeah. associated with that of the feminine gender women yes. women. <laughs> um, however, I can say this the best. Um, yeah, it's. I don't think it's. It's not that big of a fucking thing no. to have a guy cross dress. No, no. And also a guy that wants to break every rule ever. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know. Anyway, it's about the fact he does not care about anything. Yes, indeed. Uh, when Bruce is down there, he's obviously on the back computer, but he takes his shirt off at one point. And you see his back is just covered in scars. Uh, and this feels like a reference to visually it seems similar to a famous image that Alex Ross drew of Bruce where like his oh back yes is just I know exactly what you're talking about yes. like, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly um, yeah. so that seems to be a reference to that I think the first time that was ever mentioned even though we didn't quite see it was in um, the Brave and the Bold number 197 where Catwoman sees Bruce Wayne's back and just comments right. on all the scars that are there 
um, on there. It was a tale called The Autobiography of Bruce Wayne. Uh, but I think that was the first time that that was even mentioned as a possibility or the the idea that, like, he's been out for so long that he keeps, you know, he keeps taking damage to himself. Right, right. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. it's this whole Batman is human thing. Yeah, exactly. He gets fucked up. Yeah, and that's why Alfred says the whole, you know, know your limits. Master yeah, Wayne. yeah, yes. yeah. So when we get back from the break, we will go into the next most important character in this, the second most important character, as you can say. Hey, everybody, it's Andrew. I just wanted to tell you about our friend Israel's retro gaming shop, RetroCo. If you go to retro-ko.com, you'll be able to see all of his retro gaming goodies. If you wanted to get that Sega Saturn hidden gem from back in the day, or if you wanted to get the Famicom disc system, that you never got as a kid, or any other type of retro game that you were into, or uh, import game, please go to RetroCo.com. That's Retro-KO.com. And if you use the Superhouse code Johnson's Ballsack, you'll be able to get a little bit of a discount at checkout. So please, once again, if you could just go to RetroCo.com, you can also go to Facebook.com slash RetroCo with no hyphen. That's R-E-T-R-O-K-O. You'll be able to find him on Facebook as well. If you were looking for that PlayStation import game that you never got, if you were looking for that Mega Drive game that you never got, or any other kind of retro game, any import game, it could even be European, Israel also curates bundles at RetroCo, and he'll curate that bundle just for you. So please, go check him out. If you put in the code Johnson's Ballsack at checkout, you'll receive a Superhouse discount. And right. we're back. Oh, yes, we're back. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute, what are we doing? Okay. What's happening? <laughs> and we're back. So, uh, we are going to go into, as I said, the second most important character in this, the first Honestly, is probably the Joker, actually. So maybe the third most important, but I said the second because he's known for the number two. So Harvey Dent. Uh, <laughs> I want to see this hair, He's played by Aaron Eckhart in this book. This is a two-face figure from uh, Batman Child of Dreams. Uh, it was... Uh, That's cool. It has its own sort of unique um, take on all the different characters. Batman himself kind of looks like he's patterned after uh, Michael Keaton. Okay. Is that a good uh, uh, it's good written run? And you know what? I've never read it, oh, wow. <laughs> but I do have the the toy of it, and it's uh, written and illustrated by Kia Asam- Asamiya. Asamiya, Japanese American, or yeah. maybe it's a Japanese person of some sort. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, that's what this design is based off of. So we'll put cool. Harvey back here, but that's this is the figure that I had while there was speculation on who was going to get cast as Harvey Dent, and Harvey was cast way after Joker. Oh, it really? really felt like okay. it maybe a year or so, or it, it felt like a long time before we found yeah. out who played Harvey Dent. So there was a lot of speculation on who it was going to be. And since he had just cast, Nolan had just cast Heath Ledger, everyone started being like, maybe he'll cast somebody we don't expect. Right. Maybe he'll cast like this random guy or this random guy or like Philip Seymour Hoffman. I'm just like, okay, look, just because he casts people you don't expect doesn't mean he's going right. to cast someone who looks completely different right, right. from what you would, ex- from, you know anybody no one had to wait till he saw thank you for smoking <laughs> yeah to really uh <laughs> seems like it but yeah. uh there were a few actors he approached first or at least considered one of them was matt damon <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> matt man. damon said quote i couldn't there was a scheduling thing i never spoke to chris nolan i'm a big chris nolan fan but i never spoke to him so uh, it seemed like he wanted nolan tried to get a meeting with him yeah and it didn't work out 
Yeah. Uh, but clearly they did, they did meet later to work on Interstellar. That's true. So yeah. there was that. Yeah. The other one who was up for Harvey, uh, who would then go on to play somebody with dual identities and rage issues, was Mark Ruffalo. Okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, yes. As you could see. Uh, I met for the Dark Knight for Harvey Dent, he said. But uh, obviously he got, uh, I would say, probably a better gig with the Avengers, considering that he yes. got uh, multiple movies out of that one. Um, and uh, as opposed to just one. <laughs> right, right. Baron Eckhart has did the Dark Knight, and then it was just like, I Frankenstein. <laughs> Where the fuck has he been? I don't know, but it looks like is he like a jerk really or something. Do much to his career, unfortunately. Holy shit! I haven't thought about yeah. that because he's still fresh in my mind from this role. Like Bale took off, Gary Oldman took off, Ledger obviously would have took off if he was still around. But uh, dude, he was still on the uh, upper trajectory. Yeah, yeah. You know but I'm I mean? like, what happened to Aaron? Oh well, he was the president in the in the um, the. Uh, uh, what is it called? The the Gerard Butler one about the White House. Oh, he's in that shit. Yeah, he was fucking something. Before. Something has fallen. Something Olympus has fallen. has fallen. Olympus has fallen. That's what it yeah. was. Because I know there was London has fallen, and then the next one is Angel has fallen with Morgan Freeman. So okay. another uh, Dark Knight alum. But uh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, it became Aaron Eckhart um, playing the role of Harvey Dent. And uh, he was not the only DA to have to be cast in this. Katie Holmes could not make it to uh, shoot The Dark Knight. She was busy on a Queen Latifah movie. Seems like a terrible choice, well, I also heard there was some Scientology issues <laughs> There might on. have been as well with Warner Brothers. I don't think Warner Brothers particularly liked the fact that uh, her relationship with Tom Cruise kind of hijacked the publicity that she could have done for Batman Begins. But that's speculation oh my God, on my yeah. part. But that happened on the same time, around the same time. Yeah, um, there's something. Yeah, something will happen there. Yeah, yeah. but uh, the diplomatic answers that were given were quote uh, from Katie Holmes. She said, "You know, I really enjoyed working on the first one, and I wish I could have worked with Chris Nolan again. It was a decision that I made at that time, and it was right for me at that moment. So I don't have any regrets. I think that Maggie did a wonderful job, but I really hope that I get to work with Chris again someday." Um, Chris Nolan himself said, Katie wasn't available for the role, which I wasn't very happy about. But these things happen, and I was very, very fortunate that Maggie was able to take over. Maggie Gyllenhaal was such a good recast. It's almost as good of a recast as Don Cheadle taking over for War Machine. <laughs> like, if you remember, the only guy that's ever died in the MCU was, what's his name in the first one? Um, first War Machine guy. The oh, my God. Guy? What do you mean? It's a different actor. It wasn't Don well, Cheadle. Well, Terrence Howard was the original. Terrence Howard. I mean, he died. Terrence Howard. I mean, he died. It's a, it's a joke. It's like he's the only guy that's actually gone because everybody comes back all the time. Oh, that's true. So, I mean, I don't know. For me personally, I think it was a great choice. I, I, I really I, I like Don she, Cheadle a lot more yeah. than Terrence Howard. I like Maggie Gyllenhaal, personally speaking, a lot more than uh, Katie Holmes. I think that the character was almost written differently from one to the yeah, next one though yeah. because it, to me yeah. Rachel was very much about like the upstanding citizen to set the example for Bruce and be his good conscience and then this one was kind of just like the DA stuff was like secondary to her actual character and she was just kind of there to fulfill the female role and yeah, I guess be so, there yeah. in the love triangle yeah. so it's I feel personally even though I'm not I'm not a huge Rachel Dawes fan but it did feel like the character was kind of shortchanged for the sake of uh, the the men in this, but I mean, it does kind of—I hate to say it—but it does kind of make sense considering that Batman's your main character and Harvey Dent is also a major character in the right, comics. So right, right. They kind of had—they combined her with uh, Harvey's wife in the comics, Gilda, um, sometimes known as Grace, also sometimes known as Alice. Uh, but um, right, the Harvey having a love interest with uh, 
with Rachel makes sense because they work in the same office. Right. So, uh, but that was the story of that. But uh, Harvey might also be influenced by a different character. And this gives us into a whole other tangent because we talked about Steve Englehart in the yeah. uh, Batman 89 deep dive. Steve Englehart was a writer in the 70s for, uh, for Batman. Uh, his run introduced the Laughing Fish and brought back uh, Hugo Strange and redesigned Deadshot into the one that we know today. He wrote a sequel to his run called Dark Detective. Um, he considers it to be called Dark Detective 2. But uh, okay. it's called Dark Detective, and in it, it features uh, a character named Evan Gregory, who is this idealist guy, politician, running for governor. And okay. he is a square-jawed, angular-faced blonde man. <laughs> who looks almost exactly like Aaron Eckhart. Okay. Um, in there, there's, it's it's insane. Um, and his love interest is Silver St. Cloud. Was he drawn before Aaron Eckhart was even he in was, movies, yeah, probably? Yeah, he, yeah. Th- this, this comic was, well, not before movies. Um, but Bef- I mean, before the, the before Aaron Eckhart came out in movies, before... Or did he see the see this actor and be like, I'm going to I don't it, base Engel, it on this guy? Engelhart hasn't said that he based Evan Gregory off of uh, Aaron Eckhart. Okay. Uh, but it's possible that Marshall Rogers, the, the artist who is no longer with us, uh, did that. Okay. Um, but this was published in 2005 to coincide with the release of Batman Begins. Okay. Because they wanted to hype up so much Batman shit at the same time. Um, but uh, it is interesting to see. So Evan Gregory is dating Silver St. Cloud. Okay. In the comics. So Silver, Silver St. Cloud, in the original 70s run, was Bruce's girlfriend who found out that he was Batman. And then, because of his double life, turned him down and rejected him and left him. Okay. Just like Rachel Dawes in Batman Begins. Okay. So you see where this is going here. Englehart claims that the Dark Knight is partially based off of Dark Detective. And the I, as somebody who's read through the run several times, uh, I can say that there is a similarity to that love triangle in terms of the archetypes involved. Right. Uh, however, this could also be a case where Nolan didn't read any of Dark Detective at all and came up with that himself because Harvey Dent and Evan, I mean, Harvey Dent being an idealistic crusading politician yeah. is something that's already part of his character in the comics anyway. Right. The fact that he cast Aaron Eckhart could have had nothing to do with trying to make him look like Evan Gregory. And doing a love triangle thing with Rachel just seems natural since they're both in the DA's office. Coincidences happen naturally. Yeah, you yeah. know, so, it doesn't necessarily mean doesn't necessarily mean anything. So I'm sorry, Engelhart, and we'll get further on because I have a lot more to say about this. But for the, <laughs> for right now, we're just going to stick to the characters who are introduced in the sequence in, in the courtroom. Rare things happen all the time. Ben. Yeah, I know. Uh, so in the courtroom, Harvey decides to flip for it with Rachel, and that's when we're introduced to the coin. The lucky silver dollar that he has. Uh, that, of course, turns into the famous Two-Face coin. Now, uh, this has a lot big background in the comics, and that leads us into our next competition thing. Uh, originally, in the very first appearance of Two-Face, Boss Maroney owns the double-headed coin as a lucky piece. Okay. And Dent had it as evidence in his hand when he got scarred, and the acid dripped onto the coin and created the scar side, I think. Or he carved it himself, and he saw the... Uh, he saw the coin as a reminder of the accident that happened to him or the, the yeah, attack yeah, that had yeah. on him, and so he decided to use it as a tool. Uh, later on, there was a... Uh, 19, in 1989, there was a Sunday comic strip um, by William Mesner Lobes, who was the writer, who came up with the idea that Bruce Wayne and Harvey Dent were friends. 
okay in the first place and, and we're that's gonna get been in there ever since and it's been in there yeah it's been there, there ever since and the and the two-headed coin was a gift that bruce gave him which turns into a cruel irony later that the gift is later used against him when he's batman um but the most famous origin of the two-headed coin that they're kind of drawing off of is from a story in batman annual number 14 uh, called the eye of the beholder Okay, and that is one of the strongest versions of the origin of Two Face, uh, and it came up with the idea that Harvey Dent grew up in an abusive home with his father, and his father flipped a coin and he said, "We'll play a game. If it lands on heads, I beat you tonight, and if it lands on tails, then you go free." That's Prob- a, that's a power. It changes the tone a lot, yeah. but yes, it's, and of course, it's not not bad. It's a two headed coin. Oh well, yeah. So Harvey always lost on that. And it's like fuck chance. Yeah, exactly. Or <laughs> that's uh, not no chance, chance at all. Yeah, he had no chance. I'd rather have. <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to break down a psyche. Yeah, I'd rather have actual chance than what was given to me. Exactly. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. But uh, he tracks down his father later on as Two Face. Um, okay. To get another lucky silver dollar from him because uh, he loses his first coin okay. in the Beholder, and he brings up like, "This is what you did to me." sort of thing but that's the significance it has in his life and the long halloween sort of has that implication uh in a scene where gilda finds harvey when he's just got the coin in his hand and he's thinking right. about it and he's like i visited my father and things like that so uh which brings me into another thing the eye of the beholder like the long halloween is one of the most famous origins of harvey dent uh into two-face but uh jeff Lowe pretty much took all the harvey dent beats from the eye of the beholder <laughs> The Eye okay. of the Beholder is the original. The Eye of the Beholder is the shadow to the Long Halloween's Batman. Gotcha. In this case, the Eye of the Beholder is a Batman run. It is a Batman run. Yeah. It, is, it is a it is a one story. It's a very long story, but it's it's one story, and it delves way deeper into Harvey Dent's character than the Long Halloween ever does. Okay. Uh, and there's different beats in there that are directly uh, drawn into the Long Halloween. Uh, completely different writer, completely different artist, but moments like uh, Gordon saying he does that or the rooftop yeah. meeting of yeah. Batman, Gordon, and Dent is in there. Yeah. Uh, certain characters um, like Harvey's assistant, uh, Fields, is in okay. there. Uh, and I'll get further and further as, as we as we go along with that. But to me, a lot of the long Halloween, in terms of the Harvey Dent story, it's a little overrated when it comes to Harvey Dent stuff because Harvey's main role in that consists of a lot of dialogue to play on the two puns. And you right. do, don't really get to see the psychological transformation as much as you would think. Uh, whereas in The Eye of the Beholder, you do. Okay. So, anyway, there's a long tangent to say there are many origins to the coin, but the one that is the most famous is the abusive father and the fact that he used that to beat him when he was younger. So it's either that versus in the movie, it's just Harvey's lucky coin. Which one do you prefer? Oh, definitely not the movie one. <laughs> <laughs> that was easy, yeah. I prefer the comics too because it's such a rich backstory, and it's also, like, you kind of have to have Harvey in a fucked up childhood in order to yeah. buy the idea that this guy would change like that. Right. You know, he can't just be completely healthy and then suddenly his face gets scarred and he's like, all right, fuck this. <laughs> I'm like, I'm done. Because, like, it's, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, it's also like the, it, being a guy that works for the... Is he the DA? He, yeah, he is. He is, yeah. he is the DA, right? Yeah. yeah. Like somebody that seeks justice. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, yes. I don't know if... Uh, do you think that whole thing would have fit in Dark Knight? I guess it's dark it enough. It could have if, if 
Batman, like, if they did it, like, in the Eye of the Beholder, when Batman confronts Gordon, and he's like, you know, there's something about Harvey you should know, and, like, this is, the, yeah. this is his background and everything, and we didn't yeah. know about it, and it was swept under the rug so that he could become DA, yeah. all those things, like, it would make, it would psychologically make more sense. There's some things that make him where he couldn't pass a background check, <laughs> let's put it that way. <laughs> So that's that's one of the things that uh, I think is missing from the Harvey Dent tale. But I, I do think Aaron Eckhart does a good job with the role, and I do think he is uh, he's a strong crusading protagonist in this. His in overall this story. Uh, like a temperament is something that you would how do I say it? His demeanor is something that uh, is in line with the comics, wouldn't you say? Uh, yeah, I mean he, he's somebody As who Dent. you could see like okay, I could see how Bruce sees him as the new hope for Gotham. Yes, or how Gotham yes. sees him as the new hope for them as as a legitimate uh, person who's working in the, for the law. Right. So that's right. that was definitely one of the strengths. So that one goes to the comics. Um, obviously, the scene where Harvey gets attacked on the when the, with the guy on the witness stand uh, it does not lead to him getting scarred, but it could be seen as a reference to the fact that in the comics, uh, Harvey Dent is attacked with acid while he's interrogating somebody or... That's Batman's somebody. wearing a suit in the um, Batman room, in the courtroom. <laughs> Batman does not wear the suit <laughs> in, anymore in the courtroom in any version since oh, the uh, Golden shit, Age version. Man. But yeah, uh, the next thing is when Harvey meets with Gordon in the office. Okay. Uh, Gordon says, "We all know that you're Gotham's White Knight." Yeah. Now, this yeah. Uh, goes into the next part of the competition where uh, Harvey has different nicknames. Okay. Uh, that he's known to in the public. So in the original story, Harvey's nickname was Apollo because of the fact that he was, I guess, heroic and good-looking and that emphasized like his okay. handsome face. The Dark Knight took a different route and called him the White Knight. Um, and that has different reasons. Obviously, him being the White Knight is him being a hero to Gotham. Yeah. But then that heroic name gets tarnished when he becomes Two-Face. Right. And Batman has to become the new hero, which is why Gordon flips it and calls him the Dark Knight. Uh, at the end right giving more significance to it than just being like hey we named him we gave an alternate name to Batman in the title again a literature major from (laughs) Oxford (laughs) okay so and um, so Harvey is as the white knight is an upstanding citizen trying to enforce the law but ends up sinking into immorality while Batman is a vigilante who breaks the law but ends up being a hero who upholds his moral code more or less. They're the, the, so they're the hero on the surface who's not a hero also, also yeah, right? I mean, yeah. this is simpler than what you're saying, but then Basically, the guy actually behind the scenes that is the real hero, but yeah. what somebody needs, you know, that whole that whole spiel at the end that's yeah. so... When that, when the fucking... When that was set being said, I was like, fuck, am I watching the best movie ever <laughs> in my life? This is the best movie I've ever seen in my life, I think, guys. You could say that there are two sides of the same coin yeah. in the sense Ooh. that uh, one is the White Knight and one is the Dark Knight in terms of who's publicly legitimate who's not publicly legitimate yeah, and who's, yeah, yeah. Uh, who's fighting for what's right and who turns out not to be so right. uh, Apollo versus the White Knight I think this is easy which white one Knight. do you like better White Knight White yes. Knight mine is for that as well so, so that actually goes to the movie that goes to the movie yeah so uh, we are now tied because they're both at 1.5 right now drawing parallels yes uh, next one is Harvey Dent and Bruce Wayne's relationship so as I mentioned before uh, the comic book strip in the 1980s developed the idea that uh, Bruce Wayne and Harvey Dent were friends. Beforehand, there was no other mention. It was um, the Golden Age. It said that Batman and Harvey Dent, or Harvey Kent, as he was called at the time, uh, were friends or were allies, at least in crime fighting. But it didn't right. say any indication about Bruce Wayne. It was uh, finally 
It was sort of referenced in one of the original Sam Hamm drafts, though. Yeah. Where uh, he and Harvey have one scene, and Harvey may or may not know that he's Batman, where he's just like, I don't have your sources, Bruce, um, that type of thing. But it wasn't really explicitly drawn out until Bill Mesner Lopes uh, did it in the comic strip. And uh, this is a comic strip that ran for two years, from 89 to 1991. Okay. And uh, this is an upcoming deep dive, I promise you guys, because I'm going to call it the best comics you've never read. Oh, that's good. This I don't even know about that, yes. actually. He has not told me that. This <laughs> Surprise is, we, for we you. We talk yeah. about many of our plans, but yeah. that, wasn't, that wasn't one of them. That's cool. This All right. This is the upcoming deep dive where I'll go into it, but it is, I know I said Eye of the Beholder is one of the best Two-Face ones. Uh, the comic strip is, in my opinion, the best story that shows the evolution from Harvey Dent to Two Face. This is something that Dark Knight's sort of missing. Like he, like what's his, they're not really friends, right? Like, but he does put his hope in Gotham. He fully convinces Bruce Wayne, so there is that. But they're not like buds. No, like Harvey definitely shows some resentment. Like even when he's talking to Rachel later on, he's like, yeah. "You're not going to Bruce, are you?" Like yeah. he still doesn't really trust him that much. This this whole thing is missing from the movie. Yeah, like in the Long Halloween, that's probably where they they were drawing more off of because Harvey sort of looks down on Bruce in the long Halloween. He just sees okay. them as like some rich guy. And once he, um, uh, you know, in the beginning where, uh, he's found, he's found beaten at the wedding. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. uh, you know, he's just like, you rich people go back to whatever the hell it is you do. Like he, yeah. he clearly doesn't have that relationship. He, in the, in the long Halloween, he has more of a friendship with Gordon than he does with Batman or with Bruce Wayne. I mean, right, right, right. Yeah. So, uh, but in the comic strip, we saw that friendship, and that definitely got carried over in the animated series. Um, but we've never really seen it in any live-action take, because that wasn't there. I was hoping it would be part of Gotham, but they cast somebody who was a good decade older than David Mazus and right. never had a scene with him. Right. Um, and then we did definitely didn't see it in Batman 89 or Batman Forever, and not this one, and hopefully it's going to be in Matt Reeves please yeah well <laughs> maybe in the second one well maybe it's being set up and well, we maybe don't it's know being it. set up and we just had he, they just haven't cast him yet but we'll see yeah uh but what do you prefer Bruce and Harvey as friends or as not friends I guess as you friends say. for sure friends for sure we tied on this right yeah yeah so we got comics for this one yeah that one goes to comics so uh, right now, I mean, it's, it's definitely it's gonna you know anytime you have a fallout, that's the that's the epitome of drama, right? You yeah, know? yeah. Because yeah. um, like in all versions, Batman is an ally to Harvey. Well, except for one that comes to mind, but uh, in yeah. most versions, he uh, is an ally. They are allies together. The only version where they're definitely not is in actually Beware the Batman. Okay. Where the Batman Harvey Dent's a jerk in that one. You, you know, I'm like, I, I, I'm not a fan of what they, they took do with license that. with that. They took one, some like, yeah, and I'm like, I yeah. get what you're doing, but like, it, it just makes me hate Harvey before he's even Two Face, right? So, right. Uh, this later on, so yeah, Bruce obviously meets with Harvey at the restaurant. They have that whole back and forth, and then later on, um, we have the whole meeting with uh, the Joker and the mob and how uh, Lau's going off for the money. Uh, okay. This is not really a comic book thing, but one thing I do think is interesting is how Ledger plays the Joker at the meeting. Where sure he comes in with that entrance, kills the guy with the pencil, but there's almost like this sense of he's not confident yet in mm-hmm. how he plays yeah. it. It's like he hasn't, even though he robbed the bank, I guess he lost all of his henchmen there too. Yeah. Like it felt like he was alone. He was just a lone gunman. Yeah, really. Like he, yeah. I don't know why I thought that, but it's like just no henchmen. Yeah, version of Joker be, at that yeah, point. Yeah, it could be that as well as just like he's just still starting out. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. he's just like, oh, like, 
okay, I've talked to you, like the, the the pauses and things like that. I don't know if that was deliberately what they were trying to go for, but that's the what I got out of it. I'm just like, huh, I've never seen a um, Joker who doesn't have his confidence yet. Yeah. Until I mean, the Joaquin one. Obviously. He's, he's able to fucking waltz into a room of fucking hardened ass criminals yeah. and completely own it because obviously he's the craziest in the room and he's, right. he's got the control with the suicide bomb vest. So uh, that I thought that was so good, man. Yeah. That was done well. That was done. Yeah. And what do you, what do you say about allow on the TVs? Like he uh, television. Yeah, te- <laughs> over there. yeah, yeah. Television over He'll there. He'll squeal. Yeah. He'll squeal. I yeah. know the squealers and Batman's got no yeah. jurisdiction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he yeah. knew it. And he knew it. And yeah. that was before he even this before they before they even meet. Because they're kindred spirits in a certain way, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, you could say that. Yeah. So uh, this does lead to the rooftop uh, meeting between uh, Dent, Gordon, and Batman, uh, which probably was likely taken from the Long Halloween, but the Long Halloween took it from Eye of the Beholder, and Eye of the Beholder took that from the Sunday comic strips. Question. Oh, really? Yeah. So Eye of the Beholder comes out when? Uh, What's the published date on that one? 90... Hold on a second. It's in the 90s. Yeah. And Long Halloween was when? 96. 96. So it's it's basically early 90s to mid 90s. Yeah, they're so, not they're not too far apart from each other. Yeah, no, Eye of the Beholder uh, was. Hold on a second. Says <laughs> says so so 2011, man. No, 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 that was another thing oh, called another, another, another one. confusing thing. Tony Daniel did another thing called Eye of the Beholder that had nothing to do with two. <laughs> Get your own name, man. Batman Annual 19. Yeah, 1990. Okay, so 1989 was the Sunday comic strips that had a rooftop meeting with Gordon, Batman, and Harvey Dent. That was the first time for that. That was the first time, and Harvey okay. was totally against Batman being there because his, just to sum it up, Harvey's arc originally is hating Batman and going against him and then gradually becoming allies with him. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, so he objects to this, and Batman and Gordon don't care type of thing, and then I have the Beholder presented them being a little bit more in sync, in sync with each other. Yeah. And then Long Halloween did their own take on it but the image of the three of them up there definitely started with the comic strips okay so uh so then from 89 then 90 and then 96 90 and then 96 with the long halloween yeah and then everybody else copied it from that yeah well, probably because of long halloween more than the other stuff it's a good idea uh and then of course when batman disappears on dent gordon says he does that which is yeah. also in the long Halloween. However, Batman does the same thing in Eye of the Beholder in a different scene, and Gordon says to the other person at the scene, "He does that." So <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure that was taken from Eye of the Beholder. Yeah, for sure. Uh, next, we go into uh, Joker is supposedly killed as he's presented to Michael J. White, but of course that turns out not to be the case. Yeah. Um, and he starts asking, "Do you want to know?" how I got these scars. This and is one of the best parts. leads to the origin, that leads to the fact that this Joker tells multiple different stories about um, his origins. Right. So in this one, it's about his abusive past, and that kind of ties into versions where Joker may have had an abusive past. Um, at the time, uh, Paul Dini and Bruce Timm's Mad Love, he was talking about how his father used to beat him all the time right. to Harley, and then Harley later on finds out from Batman that he keeps switching details of the same story to different right. people. So there's that. And then uh, author Robert McCammon wrote a story called On a Beautiful Summer's Day He Was about a young Jack Napier who is subjected to his father's uh, psychological abuse. So this was a stat. And there's some other abuse ones, but they were written after The Dark Knight. Uh, But these were the two that established it beforehand. Okay. um, 
Joker's true origins are never really revealed in this movie. There's some speculation. It's better for it, I think. Yeah, there's some yeah. speculation about, like, is he an army vet? Some think that he's an army vet. Some I heard one where they think that he's some League of Shadows alum, and I'm like, that's dumb. Like, the I don't, thing I don't is, like this fan's yeah. overthinking it. <laughs> yeah. This is what Goyer and Nolan were thinking. We're going to yeah. have him say four different origins. <laughs> we're never going to write an origin. We don't care about that. What's it's in the really, script is what's in the script. It's really just two, but, yeah, the... Uh, yeah. Because there was a period of time where he didn't have one, but keep in mind that during the time, a lot of the different villains didn't have a lot of yeah. origins in the first place. So, like, from 1940 to 1951, he didn't have an origin, but that didn't mean necessarily mean that it was deliberate. It just, mean, it just meant at the time that, like, they... That's just, they were they making a shit up fucking on the, every month, like, yeah. just for kids to read in the fucking market, you yeah. know? <laughs> like, it's just... People, people are, like want to really overthink some of this stuff when yeah. it's really not <laughs> just don't worry about it yes <laughs> but that does lead into the next part because uh, the comics definitely have covered various different versions okay. of the origins whereas the Nolan uh, movie obviously does not so yeah. uh, mysterious like in the Dark Knight or origin explained like Batman 89 or the Killing Joke and stuff I like mysterious I think mm. I, I, I think there's something there's something scary about something being mysterious. You don't mm-hmm. know where he's come from. The more it's explained, it's just, I don't know, it loses something for me, I think. I think, uh, here's how. Here's my take on that. Um, and I guess I kind of, for the movie itself, I agree. So this one's going to go to the movie. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that I'm against any Joker origins. I think either he starts off and he just shows up like he does in The Dark Knight. Yeah. Or we meet him beforehand and we see him turn into that. But I don't like... Uh, he's the Joker now, and then guess what? Here's my backstory, guys. Like, yeah, that's what I don't like. Yeah. So if, uh, I've noticed in my top Joker origins when I did that episode. Please check that out. Uh, my favorite ones were the ones that you saw the evolutions, and okay. the ones that I didn't rank as high that most people do, like the Killing Joke and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I rank those a little lower because I'm just like, eh, okay, like uh, on that. I liked seeing yeah. the evolution. I like seeing the evolution. That's why. Um, I think Joker and Dark Knight are equally uh, valid interpretations of it, even though they're completely different. Because one, in terms of their treatment of the same. Yeah, character. yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't hate knowing it like uh, Arthur Fleck or whatever, mm-hmm. Joaquin Phoenix Joker. But uh, if I had my druthers, right, I would druther it to be the other way. So we'll, <laughs> shall we give it to? We'll give it to the movie. Yeah, movie. We are now tied. <laughs> Comics yeah. and movies are tied right it's now. It's a tight race. Uh, but we have a few other Joker things to compete with. One of those is the Joker's toys. So, uh, the Did legend. Do you have Joker- toys in this? Exactly. That's the thing. Joker has, like, gas grenades. Oh, yeah. Uses his knife. I missed that. And, uh, oh, the, the machine the, gun. Uh, and that's poison uh, flower thing. And, the, you know, the, the pendant here. The fucking, um, what's his, what's his name had it? Fucking, uh, um, Jack Nicholson. Well, yeah, but I mean, there, I'm, missing, saying, I'm saying Heath Ledger that. doesn't have it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. he's, I'm saying he should have that. Right, right. So the Ledger uses uh, everything Ledger's Joker uses exists in real life in yeah, the Dark yeah, Knight. Yeah. But in the comics, uh, Joker uses various methods. So he has uh, he has razor sharp cards he's throwing at people. Yeah. He has Joker gas. He's got all sorts of. Uh, toys or thing. He's got the electric joy buzzer. He's got the acid flower that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So, what do you prefer? The toys, him being a little bit more realistic in terms of what he uses, because there is something scary about him using something that you know is real. 
Yeah. For this, for Nolan, I prefer it this way. But if gotcha. it's a, if it, I mean, it, honestly, probably Leto Joker probably should have had a whole lot of more toys. Right, right. You know what I mean? Like, I, mm. I, I actually love the toys. It makes it more toyetic, obviously. Like, <laughs> right. you know, you get, uh, you get more shit to buy, uh, you know, in the store. And, mm. you know, Batman has a utility belt, so it's another, it's just another, you know, accessories for your action figures. Right. But, it, but again, the writing, how do you say it? Like it's a parallel. He's got the toys. Batman's got the utility belt. You know right, what I mean? Yeah. Like it's a different. It's a two sides of the same coin once again. So uh, I not like I hate it, but the, for the purposes of the movie, I'd rather uh, not have it. So you go to the movie for this? Yes. You want him to have the toys? I want him to. Have, I think that it could still work. Yeah, to me, it could still maybe work with could. the toys. Maybe I could. don't know what sequence it would be, but I think yeah. it could still work with yeah. it. Yeah. So we'll just give point five to both ones. Which okay. means we're still tight. <laughs> okay. Comics and movies. Three God to three. Damn. Uh, you, d- you don't know where this is going to go. It's no clear winner on these. Next is the Joker's M.O. Chattering teeth, too, right? The, oh, yeah, the chattering there's, there's teeth. teeth. Yeah. yeah, which yeah. is also in 89. Uh, the yeah. Joker's M.O., the, his preferred method of execution in a lot of... Ever since the first story was... Crowbar. Uh, a form of... <laughs> <laughs> Poor Jason Todd. <laughs> R.I.P. Baby. R.I.P. Baby. Uh, no, it was uh, the Joker Venom, as it's called, where it's, oh, it yeah. talks and it causes you to laugh yourself to death until you have the rictus grin. Now, yes, that was stolen from the Shadow episode of the radio, the case of the laughing death, or the laughing death, but it's been his most famous M.O. Uh, Joker doesn't do that in this one. In this one, he does this people yeah or or puts the and then puts the like the lipstick thing on them like what he does to uh officers harvey and officer dent when he does when he like grabs uh gyllenhaal yeah by the f- cheeks yeah i'm sure i mean she knows it's acting but i'm sure she was freaked <laughs> out you know yeah that, that was that was fucking acting at uh, superb bro. especially because he's got the makeup on and everything you can't it's hard to see him as Heath ledger at that Did, moment i mean didn't um didn't alfred what's his name michael kane have lines in that scene and they hadn't met yet <laughs> and when he comes yeah. up he's like where's harvey yeah kane, and like i think i think that he was so shocked at the performance he forgot his lines yeah kane says he forgot his lines but i i don't know what his line was supposed to be it wasn't in the movie i don't know it was, it was probably some throwaway script. bullshit yeah, like probably. here's here's your hors d'oeuvres sir or whatever <laughs> you know what joking. i mean yeah. it's some some bullshit throwaway <laughs> right. line mm-hmm. probably was better without it yeah i don't know what alfred's line would have been but uh i can believe that i can believe that based off of ledger's performance i mean if it's it. the first time seeing this fucking incredible performance i yeah. mean my my job was pretty much on the floor with mm-hmm. the first time i saw this movie yeah like you could, oh, man. you could feel the energy in the room with the audience. Like yeah. there's there's nothing yeah. more special than having seen The Dark Knight for the first time in a theater that was packed with everybody. People oh, man. plot like this was you didn't get this experience with Batman Begins or Dark Knight Rises. It was purely for this one. Maybe a little bit for Dark Knight Rises in certain parts, but Dark Knight it was like every ten minutes there was something that where people were cheering. So iconic or everything. Yeah. Like you knew yeah. every single time Ledger entered the screen something was going to go down. Yeah, yeah. And even if you were seeing it for the second time or third time or fourth time in your four case, times you could still feel that that was going to happen. Four, four um, times, yeah. baby. The MO, though. Dark Knight Rises, one time. No, <laughs> I saw it twice in the theater, actually. I saw Dark Knight Rises, one time in theater. One time for you. <laughs> in wow. theater, period. Wow. Um, but uh, anyway, we'll, get, we'll talk about that later. Um, but the Joker MO. This girl I was dating at the time too. You you know her. I won't say yeah, her name, yeah. but she she's she's drunk when we saw it the second time. Yeah, and she said she just every time she looked at Bane, she was like, "He's so big, <laughs> he's so big." 
awesome. Yes, he's been working out like a motherfucker. <laughs> Tom Hardy. It's Tom, yeah, Tom yeah. Hardy. He's he's known to get big. All right, anyway, keep going. <laughs> it is weird that the Sony Spider-Verse seems to be the refugee camp for former Batman actors with Tom Hardy, Leto, and Michael Keaton. It is very <laughs> true. So. Very true. Anyway. I honestly cannot wait for Morbius. It's probably going to be bad, but I can't wait. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. All right. Uh, but which MO do you prefer, laughing gas or scars? Oh, man, almost equally. Uh, so it's a draw for you. I'm thinking, thinking. I know this is bad for a podcast, but uh, okay. So the laughing gas kill. The, oh, the laughing gas gives them the rictus grin. Gives makes it's, them laugh themselves. It's like again. love that, that Joker. Yeah, like he. If if we were to channel the Arthur Fleck version, it's almost like he makes them laugh uncontrollably, like he's been forced to. Now that's this is not this is a very different Joker, but that it's it's that idea that you, it's scary to see somebody laugh against their will in their final moments, and that they know that that's it. This is the toughest one for me so far, probably. Uh, I I might. Again, it's because of this movie. It I'd like I, I love the love that Joker and the Nicholson one too. Right. It works perfectly. Mm-hmm. I think for this one, maybe a guy with a little knife. I'm gonna just yes. I might change tomorrow, maybe, but I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna go Heath Ledger knife to mouth for this. Okay. Yeah. Um, I love the laughing. I mean, I've always loved the laughing death. Yeah. Uh, in this. Even the fish start to smile. Even the fish starts, yeah. yeah. But I mean, I I see your point here. Yeah. On this, and I try to imagine this movie because here's the thing: I can try to imagine this movie with a more traditional looking Joker, and it could still be pretty much the same. I can imagine yeah. this being um, a Joker who uses a few more toys and stuff, and yeah. I can kind of see it being the same, maybe a different design. I try to picture this movie with somebody laughing themselves to death, and for some reason, that's what's kind of like. Mm, maybe that wouldn't have worked as much. Not, I don't know, not in this one. I don't know who it would have been either because there's something about... You know what it is? The Dark Knight, uh, the intensity comes from how many quick deaths there were. Right, yeah. Pencil, boom. Yeah, true. The true. judge gets blown up. Right. Commissioner, like, suddenly gets poison. Right. You know, right. everybody... Right. So many quick deaths yeah. in it. And to have a slow one in the middle just feels like it's a little bit against it as well as, like, I don't know who we would have seen get that. I mean, also, it even works uh, on the psychological level, too, where you have a guy that's taken a knife to his own mouth. Yeah. And he wants, if he wants, just like with the gas, make somebody like him just for fun. Mm -hmm. He makes somebody just like him just for fun by cutting their mouth. Now I'm always smiling. Yeah. So it, I mean, even on that level, it 100% works. Yeah. So I'm going to go with movie on this one. Wow. So unbelievable. Now comics is three. Did <laughs> yeah. I change you just now? I think you might have okay. because I was like, mm, okay, yeah. So comics three, movie four. Now, uh, next though is something that we've been meaning to talk about for a while, which is <laughs> okay. Here bat we go. suits. I'm trying not to look at your notes, but I see I see it every now and again. Yeah. <laughs> the bat suits. So after uh, Lao goes off to Hong Kong, Batman Bruce has to go get his new suit from Lucius mm-hmm. Fox yeah. and he picks up the new bat suit from Q I mean from, Lucius Fox from, from, yeah <laughs> give me the guy just Q give me give me, give me, give me. <laughs> so for the bat suit we had a redesigned bat suit it was no longer the uh, one from Batman Begins they wanted to redesign it to be something that was even more tactical so we had something that was uh, the gauntlets could now shoot out shoot stuff yes. out yes um, the neck was a little thinner 
uh, he had like this bulbous panther neck in the um, yeah in the Batman yeah. Begins, and then it was all like thinned out in this one. Um, and then the armor was very much redesigned um, or yeah. so yeah. on this. But uh, that was the new bat suit. And it's obviously very different from the one that's in the comics. The one in the comics is more two-tone. This one was full, pretty much full black. Yeah. Um, and a little less armored looking than uh, what we saw in the movie. Um, but what are your opinions on the Dark Knight bat suit? Uh, it's, it's pretty good. <laughs> I mean, I don't hate it. I, I mean, there is something... It's again. It's the whole environment of the movie. So it's mm-hmm. like you got an ultra realistic tone. So a guy with a, a you know a tactical suit with bad ears and a cape sort mm-hmm. of makes sense. But there is something where it loses how striking it could be. Like right. Batfleck suit. If Batfleck wasn't like I like him as an actor, but he was just a little bit too chunky. But that suit was so good. Yeah. It's so comic booky, and it's like I don't know, man. I know he's fighting parademons and shit, so it's a different tone entirely. Well, but what about BVS? Because he's not. I mean, yeah, he still fought parademons, but that, if we ignore that scene, it's a lot more comic booky tone though than what Nolan did. You know what I, I mean, mean? True, but I mean, I I can I try to picture the Batflex suit in the Dark Knight, and I still I probably would arguably love it even more, honestly. Yeah, that's true. You're kind of butting up uh, comic book sensibility with reality. Mm-hmm. Which I I like I like that too. I think that's perfectly acceptable. Yeah, maybe that should what happened. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, I, yeah, I, I try it, to. Lo- if, it loses something being so realistic. I it does. Pic- if I picture the Dark Knight, yeah. but uh, it's the Batflex suit, yeah, and the Phoenix Joker design, it's pretty much the same. We don't really lose much other than maybe the scar thing would have to be changed and not make much, right. much sense if right. he's not scarred. But that's it. So, uh, yeah, similar to my Joker reaction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. The first time I saw this suit, I was like. Oh my god, give me back the Batman Begins suit. Really? Well, I hate the Dark Knight suit. I just I just hate it. It looks wow, like I've actually never heard this. Wow. I he looks like he's wearing a black tennis shoe. Bold to me. Bold statements <laughs> up this motherfucker shit. today. <laughs> he's he has a bobblehead because the neck is so thin. <laughs> Everything is segmented, so he looks like he's wearing a tennis shoe. And I'm like, this is even worse than before, where I thought like they could have like, the comic book elements actually feed into what is being done story-wise. As I said, like, I don't get the point of having the bat on the chest in the first place if the bat doesn't stand out. And it ties yeah, into him yeah, being yeah. like, you know, I want to be a symbol and things like that and, and show people about this. I'm just like, well, what's the point of having a symbol if you try to keep disguising it or hiding it the whole time? He's a ninja man. He's hiding it all the time. Now the bat is even smaller <laughs> on his chest. <laughs> And it looks uglier, and I'm like, this is this is worse than before. So you so, want to turn your head? Yeah. So I, in which case, I'm also like, why did it take him so long for him to be like, you know what? I should actually turn my head. I'm. He doesn't do it until this movie. <laughs> they shouldn't. That joke's too meta. To like uh, Morgan Freeman, like they, it should have just. Yeah. Don't even mention it. It's it, it brings up too much of the problem in real life. Yeah, yeah. It, you know it what makes I mean? you it pulls you out of it because like some people were praising this to be like, oh, they actually explained the change in the suits, and I'm just like you took up time that we didn't really need to explain the change in the suits. You could have just said, yeah, like... we don't need it. He went to Lucius Fox in between from one movie to the next. I mean, I still would have preferred if he... Here's the thing. Batman, the suit. Steps on, Batman steps onto the screen wearing a suit. 
That's it. You don't even need to you fucking explain yeah, most of it. I don't get why people were criticizing the pre- previous movies of that. Because it's like, it's so that they sell toys. I'm just like, or they just want to, you know, change things up. And, like, Batman's totally the character who would change up his arsenal right, to improve right, himself. Right, so right. I get it. And that idea was still there. I just felt visually it was such a downgrade for me. And I didn't really like that they kept the same one for the next one that I was just like, okay, fine. Does Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises not change suits at Not all. really, nah. It's about the same. Yeah, it's okay. pretty much the same. But for me, like, it is low on my list. Like, Clooney's last suit, I rank uh, below this one, obviously. But then I do <laughs> prefer... Sorry, but I do prefer Kilmer's suit over the Dark Knight suit. Wow, man. I do. Even with the nipples. The nipples I can ignore. This okay. one I can't ignore anything. It's all there. So it's like a black again, tennis shoot. <laughs> yeah, he's wearing a fucking black tennis shoot to me. So I've never been a huge fan I gotcha. of this. I vastly prefer the Batfleck type of aesthetic. And I vastly prefer, uh, below the Batfleck aesthetic, if it's not comic book accurate, I do prefer the 90s type of look. Because it felt sleeker. It felt more closer to the comic book image. Even if he was all black, simply because it was just... As I said before in a previous episode, like the more armory he looks, the more he looks like a guy in armor, and the less he looks like somebody who's believably a creature of the night or believably right. an urban legend among people. Right. If you see like the fucking segmentation and shit on him, yeah. then you just know like okay, this is a guy in a suit as opposed right. to right. You, you know, you don't see it or it doesn't look like he's wearing it. That obviously, and you shoot him and nothing happens, then that's fucking freaky to to people or the criminal lot. So. That is, uh, I think it's obvious where I stand in terms of yeah. comics versus movie. Yeah. So comics for me and for you. That's definite comics. Comics, okay. So. Uh, but you know what? I, 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 this is something that I've become a lot more familiar with the, with comics and, and Batman fandom since these movies yeah. too. Mm-hmm. And I've graduated. And yeah. <laughs> at the time, I think I kind of liked it. Although mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I ever really loved the cowl a whole bunch. But I, I did. I think I there was a time where I, I accepted this suit. Like I liked it. I liked it okay. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. I guess just becoming more familiar with the comics over the years and uh, and finally seeing like a comic accurate Batfleck right, suit. Yeah. Like yeah, that that uh, I guess turned my opinion on on everything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I do think uh, though that that does segue us into. Matt Reeves, the Batman suit, because at this time of this recording, we have finally gotten to see it. Oh, man. Here we go. <laughs> we might make this... I'm going to cut this out make it its own video, too, yeah, just okay. for more okay. YouTube yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, uh, the Batman bat suit, the Battenson suit has premiered, and we finally got to look not just in costume sets, but in surprise paparazzi pictures that we tried to avoid, but it just blew up all over the fucking internet as well as trades that it was everywhere that you could not avoid it unless you just happened to not have any access to internet at the time so uh i guess i'll start on this go ahead i want to i want to hear certain this. things that i like okay one thing that i like is the tie-in to the uh 39 comics anything about a young batman where the costume kind of looks like the original <clears throat> bill finger design <laughs> i'm supportive of because i've always wanted to see that one brought to life as what if like you wore early... a domino mask that bob kane's design <laughs> <laughs> then i would be like fuck this movie <laughs> but in this one it, uh, well that might be fun if like he's drawing like designs oh. of what it could be but then he's just like that's not even a fucking bad yeah, yeah, <laughs> he yeah, just yeah, throws yeah, it yeah, off yeah. like it's stupid <laughs> that would take you out of the movie but it'd be funny <laughs> yeah, as hell. yeah yeah no but uh, yeah. i like the the i like that there's that tie-in with the insignia uh, on it. However, to me, it's one of those things where it's like, 
if you're going to take one thing, just give me all of it. Give me the ears that are like this. Give me some form of the purple gloves. I agree. Like, I agree. Make it a modernized version of the 39 suit. Don't just like pick and choose. Because when you start pick and choosing, then it just makes me miss the original version of where that's supposed to come from. Yeah. So uh, that's what I like. The uh, honestly, the best part of the costume test was seeing the Battenson jaw. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, that is a hell of a jawline, my friend." Yeah, that's he, probably even that's the, probably the best Batman jaw we've seen. Yeah, yeah, I think it's probably part of the casting, honestly. Yeah, like like Affleck certainly had the chin, but he's got the he's definitely got the, this like the angular part of it that I don't think we've seen of anybody else, like Keaton, Kilmer, Clooney. Well, Clooney kind of has a good one, but it's not quite the same. Yeah, um, yeah, but yeah, he definitely has that cowl. There looks like there's some stitching on it, so there's kind of a homemade effect to it. But it's weird to me. This is where I start going into negatives. It's weird to me that there's like a mix of homemade with high tech at the same time. Yeah, I'd prefer you go all the way with all the way with homemade if you want to do homemade. Like have the balls to do that. If people keep gonna... bringing up that Spider-Man suit too, that that was uh, all black. Oh, in uh, Far From Home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like kinda, there, yeah. There, there's some. Again, this is fan rumors at this point. Mm-hmm. The point of this recording, and uh, they say that he's going to do something similar to that in this movie. Potentially, I don't know where they're getting. There's this a lot of people info. saying like this is the prototype suit, and I'm just like, oh, if this is the prototype suit, then give me the 39 <laughs> design or something like right. that. But uh, I, as I've said earlier, like I, I just, I, I don't just hate. I despise <laughs> bat armor or something that looks uh, so obviously armored. I kind of excuse it more in the Arkham games because. Just the overall, like from a distance, it still looks traditional. But when it looks so obviously armored up, it, it loses the effect of like this demon coming after you. And it looks more like, oh, that's just a guy in a suit that he bought. Right. Um, right. Type of thing. And we've seen uh, more zoomed out images of a stunt suit, it looks like, on the Bat Cycle. And I wish that they had a full body image of the original Bat Suit so we would know what stuff is you know specific to that stunt suit and what stuff is actually part of the real stunt suit suit too the cowl looks like a very hard like it's a helmet under there it's a it's a stunt cowl yeah it looks different than what uh pattinson was wearing yeah but the one thing that brought up was that that definitely has lenses in it which could be interesting uh we've seen this wouldn't be the first time with lenses we saw lenses in batman forever and the dark knight but uh it would be cool if it looked cool this time uh if if, you (laughs) know like especially if it's if it's i'd be cool if it's just the helmet and it's just like the lights reflect off of the the lenses when he's in the helmet i mean is it also kind of like he's does the lenses come on just because he's riding a bat bat bike you know is it kind of like a protection thing Mm -hmm. like I, i don't know again my favorite take on the lenses is funny enough uh batwoman because they made it look like it was more it was less about the mask and more about what was underneath the mask so it almost looked like she was wearing white contacts but that looked a little closer to That's what cool. would be in the comics because of the fact that you could actually be expressive of it you could do the thing like in the animated series where he plops down right in the intro in front of the yeah. cops, uh, in front of the criminals on the rooftop and then his eyes narrow you could do that yeah uh, you can't really do that with a helmet right so uh, and then people bring up the insignia that looks like it could either be batterings that you take off your chest and throw at people just like in Batman the Brave and the Bold or uh, a bigger fan theory is that they're going to adapt Detective Comics number 1000 in a story by Kevin Smith and Jim Lee. I like the idea of uh, potentially him switching cowls or him only having that look when he's on the bat cycle or something to try to incorporate right. that. So that's kind of cool to me. Um, this idea of the guns being on the chest, I do like that, but I've brought this up to you before and on our Twitter, but I'm like, people have 
talked about so much and we do not know if that's actually part of the movie so it seems yes. like if it's not actually in the movie everyone's going to be disappointed for something that they've set themselves up for for disappointment right. because matt reeves has no obligation to fulfill your fan theories so yes it'd exactly. be awesome yes. if he did i like that i like that sentence yeah it's really good yes <laughs> but i'd like it if he did but if he doesn't you shut the fuck up. That's, yeah. that's, that's what I think about that. So yeah. uh, I think it'd be a cool idea, but we'll see if it, if it happens. I'm not going to cross my fingers for it. Also, I would love it, and I know you tweeted Mattson Tomlin about this, but I would love it if they had the uh, <laughs> if he did the purple gloves thing if we're doing some uh, forensic stuff. That guy is flying so far under the radar, man. <laughs> like nobody, nobody knows. Not many people know that he's also like he's probably the main writer on this. Yeah, know? yeah, but he's probably busy with other shit too. I mean, if you just wrote the new Batman movie, you're probably in demand right now and writing scripts for things that yeah nobody's even known right is under development yet. Yeah, it's not like he's sitting around for this movie to come out. <laughs> yeah. He's got a bunch <laughs> of shit going on. Yeah, already that's how quickly everything moves. But yeah, those are my those are my thoughts on the bat suit. It, it's I feel like I was spoiled by the Batflex suit and I was hoping for something that was similar and you know Reeves has the freedom to do his own thing on it it's just not necessarily my favorite version yet but let's take a I, I'll say wait and see for what it looks like the way it's supposed to look like in the actual movie yeah it's almost as if the internet has already decided those are the guns uh by joe chill and um the, oh this is definitely a prototype suit yeah we don't know that what? either there's no fucking proof of that at all there were so many pro there were so many fan theories about like oh like the batman again suit is the prototype and the combat accurate bat suit is going to come in the next movie and the yeah. dark knight happens they're like no that's another prototype the dark yeah. comic book accurate that's not bat suit will come in again or like remember when the Jared Leto image of the oh, Joker came out when he was like this, and they're just like, no, the tattoos can't be there. It's Photoshop. It's to commemorate the anniversary of the Joker. Or the Jason Todd theory, or whatever. Or the Jason Todd theory too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which would have been kind of cool, but would have been cooler in the movie. But still, like it's again, directors are not under any obligation to fulfill your fan theories. More than likely, you thinking that this is a prototype suit is a is wishful thinking yeah i was gonna say the same more thing. than likely mm-hmm. um I, I i do wish some parts of the suit were changed and the only credit that you can have to say that this is a prototype suit is just like the stitching on the cowl because it gives the sense of it being homemade as well as the fact that this is set in his early days yeah so yeah presumably he will have go through costume changes just like every other superhero does yeah so uh you know, I don't love the suit. I don't hate it. I'm somewhere mm-hmm. in between. Yeah. Uh, I do like the back collar. I think it's kind of cool. It seems like it's easy to grab for villains. But yeah. <laughs> but other than that, uh, I like it. And uh, the the bat bike though, yeah, know, that it? seems a bit uninspired. Also, it's just like it it it's not. Again, we don't know the we don't know the uh, tone of this film right mm-hmm. now. But it's just. You've gone comic booky enough, but it could be a little more, you know, like fucking lean into a little more, man. Yeah, but I, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. And and like I agree with you about the armor, like it's a little too much and the the shoulder the shoulders are too big. He's wearing hockey pads. Yeah, he is wearing <laughs> hockey pads. There's already a meme about that. There's that and as well as the forearm. I'm like What is with he's that? He's got huge forearms with like these dart things. I'm like, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's it's the not... purpose of that? 
it's not great. I mean, I would I would be cool to see if there's like another suit reveal, like it really is a prototype. But again, who knows? And the thing that Boss Logic made with the cape added later was pretty cool. It was cool, yeah. It looked cool. And again, like darkness and shadows really adds a lot yeah. to uh, to the look of something like, especially like this. So, you know, I guess we'll see. Yeah. It's like... Uh, yeah, I mean, and the, the ears suck on, on, <laughs> on the stunt cowl. We have we actually have not seen the ears on the real on the regular cowl. on the regular one, but the, they're bound to look similar, I, right? At so least in length. At least in I length. don't like the ears look terrible. They're like I like the length of them. I felt Batflex were a little short, uh, but other than that, lengthwise, I'm okay with it. But this is, again, one of those things where fan expectations set me up for it because people were just like, you know, if you lighten the camera test a little bit, you can see his ears go out like this, like the Bill Finger thing, and then this comes up, and you're like, doesn't work. That didn't happen. Yeah, fans, listen to us. It's <laughs> never going to be as good as your what you're in your head yeah. before it's coming out. Like, you have your head cannon. You have... <laughs> made this perfect image in your head and you're setting yourself up for disappointment most they of the time. They have headcanon of the movie before the movie comes up and then when it doesn't match yeah. up to it, then it's like, this movie is crap. <laughs> I'm like, well, wait a minute. You yeah. built that up for yourself oh. in that. Okay. So that's, well, that's our tangent from the Dark, <laughs> Dark Knight talk. Bat, from the Dark Knight Batsuit. But I mean, they're yeah. both similar in the fact that uh, they're both somewhat are you know armored up. It yeah. is a Batman in his early years. And uh, he's also on a some form of a motorcycle or bat cycle. Yeah. In the set picks, yeah. at least. I just wish that they had done a full reveal before these pictures came out so that it didn't feel like this revealed anything. It's it's like they, they have no set security in the UK. It's it's weird. It's 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 strange. Well, also, so you... many leaks. Even even right now, at the yeah. time of this recording, it's uh, if. <laughs> Yeah, it's a lot. There's probably going to be more by lot. the time this gets yeah. released, too. Yeah. And I'm like, well, it. I mean, look, when you film in public, in public place, there's always going to be that risk, even if you got all that security. But at least account for it, in my opinion. Yeah. At least account for it and release that so that when the set picks come out, you're just like, all right, well, it kind of looks like crap, but like that's the stunt thing, clearly, because right. this is what it looks like in the thing. Oh, and there's also stunt shots of, uh, you know, from The Dark Knight. And it's not the best bat suit in the world, but you know the, the stunt guys look a little goofy. Yeah, you know, go back and look at Bell's stuntmen. Yeah, I mean they're badass; they can do a bunch of stunts and stuff. But the suits, it's because of, you know the nature of fast action and stuff. Yeah, it's uh, the suits aren't quite as good. Yeah, pretty much. So frumpy, they're kind <laughs> yeah. of frumpy. Yeah, uh, I did kind of like. Uh, there's that video that went around where the the stuntman he's on the motorcycle and as he passes by he just crashes. Yeah, him. well he crashes in. <laughs> I'm like in the video. Not yeah. a good representation. Yeah. Of it, but they're just having fun and uh, he just had a Guinness or some <laughs> shit, whatever the Scottish. I know Guinness is Irish, but they're in Glasgow right now, so yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know, know what's happening. Yeah, so we'll see, but. Obviously, we're still going to see it. We're still going to cover it in the podcast. Um, it's not like we're I can't imagine a world in which I boycott. do not see this movie. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's one of those cases where be careful of your expectations. Yeah, or manage, your, manage your expectations. Yes. I Also, last thing. I, there is something inside me where I do really miss the bat ears on the chest symbol. Yeah, I, I agree do. with that too. I do. Right? I do th- I, it's like I, I need it. I really need it. It wasn't my fr- like when I first saw it i was like oh i hate it 
yeah. then people pointed out the 39 connection i'm like okay well that could be cool and then now i'm back to oh i hate it because it's, it's yeah. again as i said like it only it reminds me so much of the rest of the the picture yeah of the 39 costume and i'm just like either you go all the way or you don't don't give me yeah. bits and pieces of it and i and and it just feels like matt reeves is just nerdy enough to lean into the 39 stuff more than any other director this ever would have has. been the opportunity to do it because yeah. like how many batman in the early years movies are you realistically going to make in this lifetime you he's know? gonna keep killing his parents man <laughs> i don't killing know the parents i don't know so uh i don't know we'll see how it goes on that but the, those are our thoughts on wait so the, dark knight suit versus pattinson suit right is, now is right now oh it's bad huh oh man i don't is that know bad man. um pattinson pattinson's better I'm than dark go, knight. i'm still gonna go with pattinson it is uh, more comic booky than and it, it looks more adam like, westy slightly with the with the cowl the nose part the nose part like i like the cowl better yeah just in general it doesn't yeah. look there's no bobblehead feel <laughs> to yeah. that um yeah. the collar thing's a little weird but we'll see how it works out they're both somewhat overly armored but um here's here's my here's another thing there's my issue with the dark knight suit uh it felt like bale looked smaller gotcha. in the dark knight suit gotcha. compared to how he looked like in begins it made him look less of the urban legend beast yeah. that he was in the first one this one, at least from the stunt picks, he still looks big. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay, I'm cool with that. Yeah. Especially because I think this is a scenario where Pattinson may need a little bit of the extra bulk in, in the suit. There's some set reports, and again, it is rumors, Hollywood rumor shit, yeah. but that Pattinson is kind of a hard gainer. <laughs> he's he, he's trying to put on weight, but it is just not happening. Again, it could have worked with the 39 type of costume with yeah. him in that physique, because the physique of Bruce Wayne, as he was originally drawn, was not some hulking Schwarzenegger-looking Jim Lee-drawn They literally behemoth. didn't have steroids yeah. at that time, too. I yeah, think. that too. So he, how you looked at muscle was different, probably. He looked like a, probably just the regular life acrobatic type of uh, body, because that's their type of feat that he would have to do yeah. as batman in yeah. terms of leaping over people's heads and beating yeah. beating them up and it'd be awesome if they could incorporate a little bit of the acrobatic type of things right. that he would have to do too right uh but i understand that sometimes you got to just pick and choose in terms of what elements you want to do do you want to do like if he's you know bat flex size probably not too realistic for him to do somersaults over somebody's head no Batfleck can't. He would can't, just fall right Batfleck on top of him. Can't them. jump without the uh, <laughs> without the grappling hook. <laughs> Lift me up. <laughs> talking about a good like two fifty pounds or something. He so. can't do it, man. He can he can do those fucking cross uh, fit ropes. That's it. Yes, yes, that's it. Yeah, ba- battle ropes. Yeah. So yeah, I yeah. would rig the Battinson costume over it, but I would still prefer the Batflex suit, and I would still prefer uh, Keaton Kilmer's suits uh, as well over those. Maybe a little bit of Clooney's. The the, the the main Clooney suit in Batman and Robin isn't that terrible, actually. Uh, sure, people point out the nipples. Bold statements but up again, in here. Yeah, but again, like the nipples, like you can easily ignore them. Like It's not a big thing. It's one element of... What about the butt? The well, you can't ignore Bat that. It's in one shot, though. That's <laughs> <laughs> in one shot. I mean, oh, thank God there was no shit. bad butt in The Dark Knight, but until now. Boom. Wait, oh, on. man. For the camera, YouTube version, <laughs> but, but up to the fucking camera. But, uh, no, sorry, I said that. But, uh, <laughs> no. there, yeah, luckily there was no shot of that. But hopefully, you know, we, we don't have to worry about that type of stuff anymore. I don't think, I don't think they're going to do that. Right. So, 
We'll see. But I think that about wraps it up when it comes to The Dark Knight because, man, have we been talking about this and we're maybe about 30 minutes into the movie (laughs) so far. That's part one. (laughs) This is part one of the deep dive in The Dark Knight. And right now we are at a tie with Comics 4, Movie 4. Thanks for keeping track of that, man. Yeah, no problem. I will do that next time. No problem. Hold me to it, Internet. (laughs) We will. So... (laughs) Uh, Once again, I am uh, Ben Juan Ryder on Instagram, as well as curate the Instagram Superhouse Pod, uh, as well as do the Twitter on Superhouse Pod. Uh, Also, shout outs to uh, our followers, so Cookie Noms, as well as the ones I listed earlier. So once again, that's World of Mera, Heroic Gateway, Best Batman Facts, uh, John Reagan, a.k.a. Shatterverse ENT, uh, Believe Land Management, Paul Gabriel, Batman.mg underscore blogger, Stephen Walden, Ultra Bra P04 Gaming, Jose GTZ underscore zero zero, and Midget Love and Soul. That was a lot. We have more than usual. We have more than usual on our shout Matt Herring as well, yes. and uh, Alicia. Yes. We already got Kooky Noms, right? Yeah. Yes. So there you go. Um, anybody else? I think that might be Shasta it. Army. Shot. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, the, that's associated <laughs> with Patreon. Yeah. yeah. Patreon.com slash Superhouse Podcast, our $1 tier. Please join the Shasta Army, everybody. Um, that's just $1 to support Superhouse and also get a shout out, um, just like you've heard here, and uh, or very similar to. Yes. And uh, let's see. I'm Thunderwolf Drew. Thunderwolf Drew. Drew on Instagram and Twitter, and I think that's it. We're super. Oh, the other thing again, uh, use your uh, voice recorder app on your phone and then record something like Superhouse is awesome, or I fucking love Superhouse, or something you're now listening to Superhouse, or send us something fucking weird. Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> to Superhouse Podcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. Uh, that would be awesome if you could do that. We'll put that in the podcast as long as it's not uh, too weird or incriminating <laughs> or something like that. But, you know, have fun with it. Become part of Superhouse. Be on, be on the episode maybe several times. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, please do that. And uh, I think that might be it. Superhousepod.com. We're on there. And uh, wherever your social media is, uh, we're there. And anything else? That is pretty much it. So uh, that is the end of our outro. Once again, we are Superhouse Podcast, the podcast you deserve and the one you need right now for all <laughs> things Batman. That's good. So write copy. join us next time. Same bat time, same bat channel. The Dark Knight Part 2 coming up.